This is the Catholic Disinfo Hour, celebrating its second year of weekly production. The Rundown is a collaborative Catholic news and opinion show endeavoring to expose and mock the Build Back Better New World Order in both civil society and the church. We've correctly predicted lockdowns, mandates, elections, and public frauds of all manner. Covidians hate us, normies try to ignore us, and fake news organizations wish they could be us. This is The Rundown. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. RestoringTheFaith.com. We saved tens of millions of lives worldwide. We, together, all of us. We got a vaccine done in less than nine months that was supposed to take from five to 12 years. You're playing right into their hands when you sort of like, oh, the vaccine. Both the president and I are vaxxed, and uh, did you get the booster? Yes. I got it too. Okay, so. Um... Oh, don't, 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 don't. Yeah, I hope you guys have a wonderful Christmas as well. Oh, Merry Christmas you. and let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. Yeah. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. Yeah. Let's go, Brandon. I yeah. agree. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. Yeah. Don't, 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 don't. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. Jesus. Jesus. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas, guys. How are you? Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. How, how are you guys doing? Good to see you guys. I'm pumped up. I am pumped up for another rundown, the final rundown of the year. It is New Year's Eve 2021. The decade that was 2020 and 2021 is now over. Um, 
We're going to have a lot of <laughs> predictions tonight. Lots of predictions, ladies and gentlemen. And we're waiting for Ryan. I don't want to wait for Ryan. I want to make you wait. I already moved to 15 minutes. I know he's on Icy Rose. Pray for him. I hope he's not slipping and sliding right now. He'll be logged in momentarily. But we are going to be making predictions tonight about church, about state, about politics, about the TLM, about elections in 2022, and the new world order. Lots to talk about tonight. Um, how are you guys feeling? Feeling pumped. That music really got us pumped. I'm pumped yeah. too. I'm pumped too. Gotta have, gotta have the scream. Scream always gets you pumping. You must have the scream because you know what? You just want to scream when you see something like this. This was the Novus Ordo Midnight Mass broadcast in Ireland. This kind of stuff just makes you want to scream. It goes on. I don't know. I don't know if I want to torture everyone. What is this? This is where, this, this is, is where you stuff. find out the real meaning of Don. We now are gay apparel. <laughs> <laughs> they literally don their gayest of apparel. Why? What, what is the obsession in the Novus Ordo religion with having women on the altar? Like, why are they so obsessed with that? That's a good question. I mean, obviously, it's the, the starkest contrast to what we've always been. Um, the whole dancing thing, the whole, you know, raising your hands up very slowly and wearing synchronized outfits, all that kind of, I mean, come on. <laughs> interpretive dance? Wait, Brother Martin, is this your unpopular opinion? You're against interpretive dances? <laughs> no, because it's not unpopular. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if you thought that was bad, that's Ireland. This is Chicago land. This is the land of soupage. You saw it in the intro. The Lord Jesus this is a Catholic mass. I think it's a Catholic mass. Oh, they wouldn't use it. That's Terry Crews. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, what are you drinking this evening? I am drinking Corson Dunk Potter uh, Abbey uh, Double Ale. Oh, I knew it would be something interesting. Good so, for you. It's harder to find. Uh, there's a total wine out here that imports it. So, um, excellent uh, monastery ale. There you go. James, what are you having? I'm having bourbon. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm having bullet bourbon. (laughs) (laughs) We were were talking off camera, and uh, brother's like, hey, James, what are you drinking? He's like, well, this is called whiskey. (laughs) Brother's like, yeah, I could tell it was whiskey. Could you tell me what kind? (laughs) I thought it was pronounced bouillet. (laughs) 
Uh, you know, we're 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 not that bougie, are we? After all, <laughs> <laughs> brother Martin, are you having a margarita? No, no, no. Hey, that's racist. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's just plain whiskey. <laughs> oh, Brother's manly. He doesn't even take his with ice. I try to get him to take it with ice. I'm like, yeah, I try to open it up for him, you know, like, hey, just, ice. How about a drop of water? Just get a little eyedropper of water. Just something, man. Well, that's just it. It's like, why, why mix it with water? Why? Because it opens it up, fresh? actually. There, there's a chemical change at, at the, the biochemical level. There's a change that happens that, that opens up. A lot of the flavor, a lot of the uh, the taste. I'm I'm seeing that comment up here. Rum and a cigar for me, absolutely with uh, Diplomatico rum. And there's a cigar made by Mambaco Cigars, a Catholic company, Dipl- which is dip- made to pair with Diplomatico rum, and you can get that. So please, uh, please do. Yeah. If you get the so Ryan, what you're saying is is that the church. I mean, you actually got the wisdom from the church, right? Because at the offertory, we put one drop of water into the wine. Right. And there well, you go, it, up the flavor. that comes from the yeah, right. Uh, that, that actually comes from Roman times, though, where you always mixed hot water with your wine. So you actually in the Eastern churches they still do the hot water. Oh yeah. And so it uh, even even in places that aren't cold, actually. Uh, so it's not just because it would freeze, although it probably would in certain places in Russia. That um, that's I'm thinking that, that yeah, and I'm thinking that's exactly what John the Twenty Third had in mind, right? When he dropped just a little bit of uh, you know water into the, the stream of. Uh, the council just to open yeah. it up a little bit. Oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah, yeah, something like that in mind. Well oh, okay. This is the predictions episode. As we said, we're going to make tons of predictions. We're going to go around the horn many, many times, but we do have a couple videos we want to get through first so that we can sort of set the stage. This is the Southwest CEO testifying before Congress that the Fauci face mask needs to go away. Like we ever do you think? be able to get on an airplane without masks. Well, again, I would, I would echo uh, my colleagues' comments uh, on the quality of the air. It's, uh, the, the statistics I recall is 99.97% of airborne pathogens uh, are captured by the HEPA filtering system and it's turned over every two or three minutes. We use UT Southwestern and Stanford School of Medicine. But, um, yeah, I, I think the case uh, is very strong that uh, masks don't add much, if anything, uh, in the uh, air cabin environment. It's very safe and very high quality compared to uh, uh, any other indoor setting. Okay. Um, Theorist, ban him from every platform and shut down all his bank accounts. You can't be allowed to say things, horrible conspiracy theories like that. I am very surprised, actually, that the Southwest CEO, I don't even think he's the only one who has said that the masks need to come off. Now, uh, naturally, he's a businessman first, and he realizes that a bunch of people out of principle like you, Ryan, are not going to fly until the masks do come off. Mm -hmm. Uh, So maybe he wants your business. Is that what it is? That would be nice because uh, I hate driving and I hate driving across the country uh, to do talks, uh, which I've done and I'm willing to do, you know, it's, but I, I'm just, I, I'd much rather get on a plane, be done in two, three hours, maybe four, depending where you're at and or six, good heavens, but I'd rather do that than drive for two days to get to, you know, somewhere the opposite end of the country. So if they, if they come off, uh, yeah, I'll give you my business again. Um, I, James, I don't, I don't think that, I don't know. 
is it is it am i always looking for the conspiracy wrapped inside of a conspiracy like the the <laughs> labyrinth of conspiracy i just don't trust the guy when he goes before congress and says we need to take them masks off i don't believe that he actually thinks that i think that this is just them signaling to us that like uh, okay, we're going to loosen your lease a little bit, you know, with the Stockholm syndrome. We're going to give you a little bit of hope, and then we're just going to yank the chain. Right, I, I'm with you there, and that's that's. I mean, we've seen things like this uh, since 2020 when we talk about uh, loosening the grip they have on us uh, just a little bit. Whether it's it's even an idea they're planting in us to give us that idea that uh, something might be happening, you know, to turn things over a little bit. You know, we had a whole thing with 2020 elections, of course, you know, you know, we we're we're almost there. You know, we we can show this thing was uh, stolen and we're going to get this thing back. And there's the whole cure theory. And that goes even all the way in, into the left. You know, so the left will will always look for a way to at least uh, release that bit of pressure before they come clamping down again. You know, now with this buys them time to, to sort of. Uh, give you a feeling of, um, you know, equity. Oh, you know, your words are being heard and uh, things are going to change. But it's only a matter of time uh, that uh, when they get you in a place you least expect, then they pull the rug from over you and the, uh, yeah. or rather they pull the covers over you and then you, you're you left dumbfounded. Wait a second. I thought we were almost there. You know, I thought we had him. I thought he was on our side. So, of course, yeah. I see him as a CEO first. He's trying to make money, of course. You know, but the, the deeper thing for me is, you know, uh, he's testifying before Congress. He has to know uh, people are watching this and people are rooting for him or for whatever cause, you know? So um, I, I think this is highly staged and um, I don't yeah. expect anything positive to come out of this. I mean, the, the reason why I think I suspect that's true as well, James, and, and I'll kick it over to you brother, is because I just can't imagine that there are that many people like Ryan who are principled enough to give up flying. I know if Steve were here, Steve hasn't flown with a mask on and he won't. Um, yeah. But the population of people who are willing to literally like not travel over this is pretty small. I mean, you know, I've been on airplanes uh, in the last year and they're full. They are packed. So I don't know that this is a business decision, Brother Martin. I, I, I suspect that this is part of something, um, well, sadly, grander and more um, pernicious. Sinister? Maybe. Um, I mean, like you said earlier, I would assume it was largely a business decision or, or coming from the perspective of profit. So maybe, maybe they are seeing a, a numbers that I guess we aren't seeing because I guess, you know, I mean, if they're not, if they're not, uh, getting the numbers of the flight, they're going to cancel flights and stuff. So, um, I guess the flights that we are on, of course, are going to be full, but, um, maybe they know something that we don't, I mean, big government and big business are both, you know, in, in a cooperation here. In, in these days so um they're sharing information maybe big business is, is is kind of fed up with what the big government promised them would happen and uh didn't come through um but i, I think to be honest it has, it has to do with something with profit um because it, it's, it's surely not a principle and, and, and ethical principles because we know that big businesses don't necessarily run on those mm-hmm. well Let's go over to our next video. How about that? What do we have? Okay. I don't think we should. Oh, here we go. If you want to go to a Burger King in Brooklyn and you don't have your vaccine card, good luck. (laughs) 
I got Thor. I got you. Last Meanwhile. week it was Applebee's, and I think the joke was like, <laughs> I, you should be arrested if you just want to go to Applebee's. Now we're talking about Burger King, people. Like this is this is class warfare now at this point. This is picking on people who like to eat at Burger King or who have, have to. Eat it your Burger. way. You can't have it your way. Exactly. You cannot have it your way at Burger King. If you're unjabbed. Got to have that jab, Ryan. Uh, well, vaccine passports. So that's a conspiracy theory. Shut up, conspiracy theorists. That's <laughs> never going to happen. Oh, wait. Whoops. Uh, sorry. Once again, uh, the rundown proven correct. I mean, we called that last year and everyone mocked us for it. But it's the iteration. So now, I mean, in, in my opinion, this is a testing phase. They're going to roll this out in a place here, place there to listen some reaction. Um, they're not going to pull the trigger fully on a vaccine passport. One, uh, um, until they there's enough uh, control until we're in bread lines, basically, which will go into my prediction for next year. But um, when you you don't have much else you can do, that's when it will become mandatory because you they, they then then you're in that rock and a hard place where they can you know push against the anvil, and and then of course that's when you're going to get your central bank digital currency and all that coming down the road. So you'll see a lot more of this this year of this kind of things. We get thrown out of a place because you don't have a vaccine passport. So, uh, you know, if you don't, if you live in an area where you have no local infrastructure, there's no locally owned restaurants, nobody's, uh, you know, <clears throat> uh, farmers markets, whatever, I highly advise moving to one if you can. Yeah, absolutely. Get to know your local, uh, your local folks. James, will you be singing tonight? I, I think some <laughs> of the audience would like to know if you've prepared, have you prepared a, a definitely definitely not <laughs> especially not sinatra's uh i did it my way <laughs> <laughs> okay all right yeah we won't sing that one all right anything but that right mm -hmm. um you know what's happening is this um this is not a surprise it really isn't a surprise i mean we've predicted this for so long um it's now the eve of a new year and this is starting to come out that this is truly something that uh cannot be escaped in that sense and i'm with ryan you know this is not something that's going to be rolled out uh very quickly they're going to wait until you're up against the wall and then when they realize you can't do anything about it that's when they push it and they push it even harder than we've seen uh and people people will fall back and say you know what i can't deal with this and i i you know i have to sign up for whatever it is they're offering because it's my only way out and people are talking about, well, oh, I'm so sad or disheartened to see the cops and police following along with this. The state needs security, needs police to actually carry out all, all of this. So it, it's it's basically what we're going to be seeing. I don't know about the sheriffs, but I know that the, uh, the local police are going to be basically falling in line to take orders. Because if they don't, someone else is going to come up and say, I'll do that. I need a job. I need security. I'm going to take that position. If you can't do it, I'll do it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what's going to happen. And you're right. And they and they're they're implementing it in places like New York, LA, Chicago, places where you know liberals in in highly dense urban 
cores are going to go along with it. And where, frankly, the limousine liberals, especially the white ones who live out in the suburbs and have uh, buku money and Teslas and all that, they have private doctors, they have private appointments, they have, they live their own sort of protected lives. And, you know, they can pretend to participate with this uh, scandemic or they or or they can really believe in it either way. But um, but this is really a, this is really oppressive to folks who are not upper echelon white limousine liberals brother martin and and um and what people don't seem to understand is that the covid regime is inherently uh it's it's class warfare it's 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 racial warfare it it creates and stokes racial tension um it's disproportionate against minorities especially in urban cores and um and it and it's just it's absolutely ridiculous when when the uh, the lockdowns first started, you know the t- the two weeks uh, to flatten the curve, uh, everybody was repairing, right? So we were all rushing to the grocery stores, we're all rushing to the uh, the pharmacies, et cetera, et cetera, to get what we needed for the for the two week lockdown. I was at a CVS in in urban downtown Kansas City, Kansas, um, where I lived at the time, and there were some people, you know, African American. Uh, talking behind me who were kind of complaining about all of it because there's rules even at fast food restaurants where you can't just walk up to a drive-through and, and get your food you actually have to if, you, if you're going to walk you have to go inside but the inside is now closed not only that but if people don't have cars which is why they would be walking up to the to the drive-through they can't bring all the groceries that they need for their family through through the bus and so you're right in that this is actually class warfare because for those that can't afford a car, and I think a lot of us in the middle class and higher forget that there are people that actually can't afford a car, uh, that they have to use the, the public transportation. It, it was largely against um, these kinds of people, those that would need to ride bikes to, in order to get the groceries, et cetera, et cetera. They, they just can't, they couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they, they couldn't prepare for a two week lockdown. You know, they can do it day by day, week by week, et cetera. But for two weeks, it's, it's, it's too big for what they're capable of. And so, of course, uh, those that are making the decisions, those that are calling the shots are in the administrative positions or the white colored jobs. Uh, but those that are in the blue colored jobs actually uh, having having to work. I mean, they were the ones they were the ones taking the bullet. They were the ones suffering the pain. Yeah. Um, speaking of pain, it is super painful and cringeworthy to watch uh, our usurper in chief. I, I don't want to call him commander in chief. I, I don't know what to call this guy. Yeah, I hope you guys have a wonderful Christmas as well. Oh, Merry Christmas, you. and let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. I <laughs> yeah. agree. Hey, by the way, where are you in Oregon? Where's your home? I think we lost him. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> well, you know what's what's hilarious about this, much like. Um, <laughs> Much like the origin of the phrase, let's go, Brandon, right, where it comes from the left media trying to gaslight everybody. Here again, so Biden clearly is like, huh, what? Oh, yeah, yeah, well, great. Doesn't he not, not even aware of what's going on. And I, But the left mob on Twitter has tried to turn around like, oh, see, he just owned the right. Look what he did. It's like he has no idea what just happened. And that's something yeah. I got to uh, F Joe Biden. You don't, you don't. 
inadvertently own anyone, James. You don't like <laughs> you don't accidentally stumble into owning anybody. If you, I mean, to own somebody is a, it's like a deliberate. Uh, you got to be shrewd, clever. Uh, I would conscious. You also have to, uh, yeah. You also have to know what's going on. <laughs> you also have, you also have to be a little bit lucid. You know, you just can't fall <laughs> fall into it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's I mean, go, I'll, Brandon. I'll, I agree. Yeah. I'll give him credit for uh, climbing those steps up to the uh, to the airplane and then stumbling and then picking back up. But this one, he gets zero points. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why do they always film the president going up and down the stairs of Air Force One? Like that, like it's it's almost like they've been waiting for a POTUS to fall <laughs> for how many administrations? Finally, we did have one, but but you know it was early on. It was the honeymoon phase of the Brandon administration. Right. And nobody wanted to make fun of him. Well, actually, they did. Don't you remember the video of Trump hitting the golf ball and the, they make it the, the golf ball? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, but I know like, the mainstream media kind of gave him a pass. They're like, oh, look at how spry he is. He just popped right, right back yeah. up, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and left Catholic Twitter, you know, say, oh, look, he fell just like in the first fall of our Lord and, and or three times like our oh, Lord. Oh, no. Like that. That oh, they did. Wow. They did. I <laughs> oh no! Oh, getting it wrong, and there's getting it really wrong. Hey, speaking of liberals, but look, we did something that was historic. We saved tens of millions of lives worldwide. We together, all of us, not me. We, we got a vaccine done, three vaccines done, and tremendous therapeutics like Regeneron and other things that have saved a lot of lives. We got a vaccine done. In less than nine months, it was supposed to take from five to 12 years. Because of that vaccine, because of that vaccine, millions and millions of people, I think this would have been the Spanish flu of 1917, where up to 100 million people died. This was going to ravage the country far beyond what it is right now. Take credit for it. Take credit for it. It's a great, what we've done is historic. Don't let them take it away. Don't take it away from ourselves. You're playing that. You're playing right into their hands when you sort of like, oh, the vaccine. If you don't want to take it, you shouldn't be forced to take it. No mandates. But take credit because we saved tens of millions of lives. Take credit. Don't let them take that away from you. Okay. So the president made news. Do you agree with that? Right? Both the president and I are vaxxed. And uh, did you get the booster? Yes. I got it, too. Okay, so... Um, oh, don't, 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 no, no. That's all. There's a very tiny group over there. Um, we <laughs> can work together with Russia, for example. Oh, that's not the one. Uh, I'm looking for the Biden video where he, where he falls and stumbles. Anyway, uh, Trump... <laughs> Trump is, has Trump disqualified himself. He says this is going to be the Spanish. This would have been the Spanish flu of 1917, Ryan, that this was going to be so bad. He saved tens of millions of lives. Do you believe him? No, not a chance. Uh, do I believe him? Uh, one, because the survival rate of this thing was, you know, 99.98%. And now with the scariance, it's somewhere higher even. Um, it's, it's not any, basically people were gaslit by the media and the powers that shouldn't be into believing that this thing was going to kill them, that we're, we were in Spanish flu. And so, and this is more Trump. I mean, Trump's from New York. Trump's from a, you know, a certain culture that everything you do is big. Everything you do is the greatest thing you've ever done. All right. And, and in reality, what he did was give the left the weapon to, 
take away our rights. And he would have done it too if he was still in office. He just did it a little more subtly, a little more softly. But nevertheless, that's where it was going to lead to the same direction. So this is just kind of more of that bravado. I saved tens of millions of lives. Uh, no, actually, you didn't. You've done more to to end you know, who knows how many untold lives because this thing was not safe, not tested correctly, and is now causing from, from Guillain-Barre syndrome to myocarditis. Yeah, I mean, we uh, I don't have a video for the I can't breathe segment, James, uh, which we've been having <laughs> weekly. The I can't, I mean, but you could literally just go out to Twitter and scroll a little bit and you'll see someone clutching his chest and falling over. And it's usually someone who's 20 years old, male, in exceptional shape, and now he's having myocarditis, which I, unfortunately, in 2021, is one of the top 10 words that I had to learn. Right. We, <laughs> I mean, every week, there seems to be an untold number of deaths. Uh, we've not seen like, like this before. Um, and it's, like you said, it's usually very athletic young men, not even in their 30s, not even in their mid-20s. So this is a huge problem for Trump. He's got to basically, uh, and in that clip, it's very, very... Um, uh, it's, it's it's very, very interesting. He says it's a small faction of people. Whether or not that's what he really believes or that's what he's being told, but the idea that it's a small faction of people who are speaking out against this is incredulous. You have people across the board, whether they're, uh, you know, leftists or, uh, you know, uh, people on the right and the far right, they are speaking out against this. We have even uh, this uh, lady uh, who's a journalist, I, I guess, uh, uh, what's her name? Naomi Wolf, speaking out against this you know and uh she is not somebody who is considered by any means possible uh even a centrist you know so when he's talking about a small faction he's not really listening or seeing what's really out there the evidence is it's gotten the attention of a lot of people who may not even necessarily have been political these people were may, may be apolitical they're your your moms your, your, who take their kids to school who are starting to see an adverse effect on all of this and it took them a whole year start coming around to this when their kids started uh being asked to 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 get vaxxed or or what have you you know being able to yeah. take away the rights from parents this is a huge yeah. problem and it's a it's a trump problem because he's the one who sold it well and what's so remarkable to me brother martin is you know we took a lot of flack on this show because we were early um critics of djt in fact, uh, I did a solo show back in September of 2020 or October where I said I'm probably not going to be voting for Trump and I may not vote at all. Um, I'm doesn't mean I'm a Biden guy. I hate Biden. I don't hate Biden. I don't hate anybody, but you know what I mean? Um, nowadays, you know, the Patrick Coffins of the world and like, you know, the other kind of normies are waking up and they're like, hey, you know what? This guy's a vaccine salesman and I'm really against that. And also he's kind of vulgar and kind of cringe and kind of gross and kind of this and that. And people are kind of now, it's now more accepted and acceptable to be like, yeah, I don't think he's the guy in 2024. Um, another, I told you so. One thing I find about some the kind of group of people that you mentioned is that there's a fixation, I guess, in the academics of today and the intellectuals of today to, to have this sole focus on the temporal order. They try to they try to take it from a spiritual perspective as if that like gives them some sort of extra credibility. But their sole focus is on the temporal order. 
not focus on spiritual and ascetical mystical theology, things that help you know, the, the actual practice that help you become a saint, put into practice more theology and help you get to heaven. They're really solely focused on government and on this uh, temporal order so that we can all live comfortable lives. And once we all live comfortable lives, then we can somewhat say this is heaven. You know, it, it's almost a, uh, well, I'm going to drop the J word, the three letter J word. Uh, <laughs> but no, it, you it's, can't it's, do it. No, it's the, no. It's the Christine same... is paying someone to watch this right now. You can't say the J word. It's it's the same perspective that we want the <laughs> earthly, earthly kingdom and earthly Messiah. And right. a lot of Catholics thought that Donald J. Trump was that Messiah. They thought that he would, or any other strong conservative Republican is going to be that earthly Messiah to give mm-hmm. them a, a very comfortable life here on earth so that they can feel like they're in heaven. That's not why we're here. We're not here so that ultimately we can decide how we can vote this way or that way. What kind of government is the best this way or that way. We're here to get to heaven. We're here to, to practice mortification and penance to read scripture, to become saints. That's what we're here for. It's almost like government is something that we have to do because we're here in this temporal order, not, 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 the, not, the, not the purpose that we exist. It's not the purpose that we exist. Ultimately deciding what government we have is not the purpose we exist. We exist to get to heaven, to know God, to love God, so that we can live for, with him together forever in the next life. But so many intellectuals and academics focus solely on the temporal order. What about this objection, James, that Denise uh, raises in the live chat on face space, where she says we have to vote for presidential candidates who are pro-life? Well, the thing about this very problem is we've been dealing with this since 1973, okay? So we've been told this for over 40 years, well now into 49 years coming up. This is what has to happen. And that's a huge problem because they use this as leverage over us, and they've been using this as leverage over us for almost 50 years. Now, we are partly responsible for everything that's been going on because we're, we are always in this positive, positive this, uh, a mindset. You know, we're so positive about the whole thing. This is going to happen this time, right? So it's my time. This is going to happen, you know? And that's just a failing, losing message because we will always end up voting for somebody who is the lesser of two evils, right? Yeah. And look at now, the, the very people that we voted, the, the track record, with, you know, I, I'd add Reagan to that list, but you know, uh, maybe not as much as I'd add George Bush Sr. and George Bush Jr., you know? These guys are the leaders, the face of the new world order, right? These mm-hmm. are your pro-life mm-hmm. presidents, people. Wake up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I think that's the, that's the bottom line, Ryan, you know, Trump was billed as a pro-life candidate, but as Dean King Eubank in the live chat, also on face space points out the shots are not pro-life. And so you think you're getting one thing and you get bamboozled, you get baited and switched into someone who is not who he appears to be. But the thing is, is, we know who he was. Mm-hmm. We know who he was his entire life. He right. was a pro-choice Democrat his whole mm-hmm. life. And he suddenly had the, the conversion, which may have been genuine. I don't know. I, I, I'm not in the position of judging whether it was genuine or not, but it's a well-trodden path. On one side or the other, suddenly 
like Al Gore, who was uh, strongly pro-life and, you know, coming from the South. And then all of a sudden, oh, well, um, I never knew there was such a need for women to have the right to abortion switches. It goes the other way, too. Mm -hmm. uh, George H.W. Bush, who was on the board of Planned Parenthood, uh, was, was very much a part of the, the Planned Parenthood and the you know, Alan Guttenmacher Institute and stuff, all of a sudden runs as a pro-life Republican under Reagan, you know, because they're like, well, all right, we need you to kind of keep this guy under control. So it, it, these things aren't surprising. What it is, there, there's a, um, if anyone's ever read it, there's a movie about it too, but the books are a lot better, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And, and I forget which book it is. I think it's so long and thanks for all the fish. Um, where you know, Ford says, oh, that sounds like lizards. And, um, you know, Arthur's like, what? what? What do you mean lizards? Oh, the lizard planet. And he starts explaining how the people on the lizard planet have to vote for a lizard. And he's like, oh, well, do they like these lizards? Like, no, they hate them. They absolutely hate the lizards. Well, why do they vote for them? Because if they don't vote for them, an even worse lizard might get in in place of the other <laughs> lizard. <laughs> and then, um, you know, then after he's explained this, Ford is like, um, you know, yeah, the wrong lizard might get in. Hey, you got any gin? You know? <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh and that's my really goodness. where we are. That is where we are. Uh, we're, we're sort of covering all the bases. We're sort of like teeing everything up because we're going to be making a bunch of predictions. I didn't write any predictions down. I'm just going to be teeing off of what you guys say. Uh, <laughs> but there's one other thing. This is, I don't know if we showed this last week. I don't think we did. This is uh, little Fauci talking to the Zuckmeister. The safety uh, study, Mark, is to see if I inject it in the arm, does it have some sort of idiosyncratic or bad reaction? There's another element to safety, and that is if you vaccinate someone and they make an antibody response and then they get exposed and infected, does the response that you induce actually enhance the infection and make it worse? And the only way you'll know that is if you do an extended study, not in a normal volunteer who has no risk of infection, but in people who are out there in a risk situation. This would not be the first time, if it happened, that a vaccine that looked good in initial safety actually made people worse. There was the history of the respiratory syncytial virus vaccine in children, which paradoxically made the children worse. One of the HIV vaccines that we tested several years ago actually made individuals more likely to get infected. So you can't just go out there and give it unless you feel that in the field, when someone is getting infected and exposed, being vaccinated doesn't make them worse. That's why you got to do a trial. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so hold on. Did he just, James, did he just say the part out loud that we were all thinking that you're not supposed to say out. Did he just say that we're all the guinea pigs and he's trying to, to figure out if the, if the jab is going to intensify the Rona? No, no, no. Listen, you, you were not listening. <laughs> okay. What I was trying to say is we've already had that experiment in the past. That was 2020. We're the guinea pigs. We're yeah. the guinea pigs. Right, you're absolutely right. You know, and this is and this is what we're, we're starting, or, or I should say, other people are starting to find out is there is an ulterior motive here. There's an agenda already being set. Whether or not everyone's awake to it, that's that's what is happening. 
yeah. we are living through we're, we're living all this out in real time for those of people who are just waking up and so sometimes things will tend to slip out a little bit more truthful uh but that's exactly what it is yeah this is the whole thing is a test let's let's see how much uh you know they get away with this i think th they're gonna get away with it entirely oh yeah well that le that's that's the first prediction of the night why don't we start there uh james says that they're going to get away with it that um that fauci will live a comfortable retired life he will be venerated in the uh as a as a living saint in the statist covidian religion and uh that no no human rights court uh ryan will ever prosecute him for this crime can, can i have cardinal supich uh give my uh, eulogy, <laughs> eulogy. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. Um, Supich, he'll be he'll be coming up later, right? This is a lot of gaslighting. Uh, I mean, you literally have Fauci on the one hand going out saying you need to have we need to have the jab in order for you to you know get on airlines domestically. He's actually proposing uh, to Congress that there be a, a mandate to have the jab for for domestic travel. And at the same time as here admitting, well, yeah, there could be problems with this and it's bad. And it's happened before admitting what everybody knows, which is that when these things are rushed, when the testing's not done, even when the testing's done, there's still going to be some side effects. But but with when you don't, it could be a bad jab, like the, mm -hmm. the 76 swine flu jab. There's a great 60 Minutes piece on that, which I think you could still find unless they've memory hold it, um, where, you know, they, they go through that the, the jab injured and killed more people then the swine, the swine flu got like maybe one person might have died from it. But the jab, you know, injured hundreds and hundreds of people, killed, uh, you know, quite a few. And and they know that. And then they, they got the people admitting on 60 Minutes, hey, you know, we uh, back when 60 Minutes was actual journalism. Oh, well, we, we just didn't test it. They, we were told it was going to be okay, so we just kind of put it through. So, and, and this is a similar thing here. They're gaslighting, and they're changing the narrative constantly. The things that were conspiracy theory, uh, you know, six months ago, a year ago, are now, yeah, yeah, that's right. Now shut up and just, just accept it. <laughs> Everyone's always in a state of confusion. Nobody knows what's reality anymore. And you look at what's happened, the net effect of two years of absolute and utter propaganda at every level, from the media, from the government, from the health, authorities so-called the authorities and the powers it shouldn't be we've had all this gaslighting and now people really even people who are awake are still scratching their head everyone wants it to go back to the way it was so we can live our comfortable lives nobody wants to believe it's really happening that we are living with a soviet propaganda regime as our government and media the viewers want us to have a fauci off that's what they want. That's what they want. Can you? That's just, just ridiculous. I'd win right away, easy. I don't know if you would win. I don't know. I, you know, I, I could be the Fauci from the nineties. You know, uh, we're talking about AIDS. We're talking about homos. We're talking about. Uh, you know, uh, no, we can't talk about homos on this show. We just can't. Um, okay, let's see what other videos we have before. No, I think that's it, guys. That's it. It's time for us to make predictions. Are um, we going in order by topic, or just each one's going to give us general predictions for church and state? And oh, oh, we're going to do by topic, we'll go yeah, around yeah, and around okay. and around, and we'll debate each other. Hopefully, we get some spicy debates too. I want to disagree with you guys, Ooh. but you know, I just I find myself constantly in agreement with you. 
Um, so anyway, all right, well, brother Martin. Well, premium. I'm the least popular person on that, so. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Even T Marsh the yeah. other day on his stream brought you yeah. up. He was like, Yeah, I know. That's okay. That's okay. I'm going on Steve and I've got a video that'll lay it all out. Can we, can we do can we do uh Tay Tay impressions while we're doing this? Uh okay, Brother Martin. Let's start first with the Latin mass. <laughs> Supich has already banned it on certain days, the high feast days and the first Sundays. Um, Supich speaks for Francis. Supich is Francis's mouthpiece in these United States. The Franco bishops who are the, like the little mini Supiches will likely follow suit. <laughs> Many. Predictions. Do you think that the traditional Latin mass will be widely available in these United States this coming holy week why or why not please show your work <laughs> well first of all I, I don't know if it was one uh, it had to be like around two or three months ago i had as an unpopular opinion that the future of the traditional latin mass was going to be illicit and i was speaking several months you know before traditional custodes etc etc i'm basically saying traditional latin mass is going to be illicit if you're going to find it you're going to find it illicitly the future of the traditional latin mass uh, I guess if we're extending this to the Ecclesia Day communities, et cetera, et cetera, personally, this is how I think it's going to go. It's going to go very similar to the Franciscans of the Immaculate. One thing that would be different is that, is that they're not going to take away the superior and replace another superior. They're going to have a delegate that's going to act between the superior general and, and the Vatican. That delegate is going to tell the superior general that you have to obey every single order to prove that you're worthy to continue to exist. If, if you don't prove that you're worthy to continue to exist, you're going to be completely and totally suppressed. And you might think this is a crazy idea, but you have to remember in the 1700s, the Jesuits were suppressed. Big orders, popular orders can be suppressed and they and they have been. Um, so there, there's nothing that, whole, that, that guarantees that the Institute of Christ the King, the Institute of the Good Shepherd or the Fraternity of St. Peter are going to continue to exist. They're, they're, they're communities of pontifical right. The Pope has direct authority over them. They can, they can be immediately suppressed. They might do it slowly for those that are constantly in denial. Um, because if they do it slowly, those they could they could hope to keep those that are in denial. Um, but they'll they'll start off by closing their seminaries, et cetera, et cetera, or or not admitting new candidates to join, some something political like that. Um and, and in the future, it'll guarantee that there, there are fewer Latin masses or fewer priests to to be available at those Latin mass apostolates, et cetera, et cetera. Or they might force um, like diocesan Latin masses to share a parish with Novus Ordo so that eventually the traditional Latin mass can, can or those that in, in that community can uh, become mixed with the Novus Ordoites and et cetera, et cetera. So I do think very much so that the Latin mass will be few and far between. You might have to travel. You might have to move so that you can have access to the true faith, uh, which is important that if, if, if anything... By Holy Week? By Holy Week 2022? Or, or at some point in 2022? Or what do you think? Time frame. I, I really do think by, by, by Holy Week. And, and it's not because that politically um, there's ample time between February where these visitations are supposed to happen and april when when easter is but i do think that there's something supernatural behind all of these motivations and 
that motivation hates the faith in particular that which happened between good friday and easter sunday and mm-hmm. so i do think there's going to be a push um for that to take place for the sacred triduum as as stupich's uh policy mentioned um and of course it's not it's not it's not uh typical that that uh, a, a diocesan policy makes Vatican news and, and is and is shared with the entire world from from Vatican mm-hmm. news source Vatican Vatican news. Va that was that was unique and, and basically t- told us that the Vatican is saying to the rest of the world to implement Supich's policy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really do think that it's going to happen by by Holy Week. If it's not by Holy Week, it's soon thereafter. Don't become optimistic if it doesn't happen by Holy Week. It's going to happen. Hmm. James, availability of the traditional Latin Mass in the former Ecclesia Day communities and/or indult masses will exclude the SPX for now. Of course, um, I, I think brothers onto something. Um, I don't necessarily think that um, you know. I, I, I think you might find individual uh, priests within these Ecclesia uh, Day communities will probably have a thing or to say or two because we know there are a few of these priests who are more society minded in that sense right you know the question is whether or not uh they're going to go along with it so as far as the, the community goes they absolutely brothers 100 percent right you know it's uh uh and, and i think this will happen a lot sooner uh than we expect because they they do want uh some sort of un- uh, uniformity by easter you know and of course uh you know we're how many months uh is is this you know less than three mm-hmm. three months so this is going to be a uh, warp speed you know as uh djt would say um it's not gonna look pretty uh some priests will balk at this uh some of some the ecclesia day priests will balk at this um they might be you know uh helped by a few parishioners who will invite them into their homes but for them for the most part a lot of this is going to get um Pretty, pretty bad very quickly um i don't i don't think there's any light at the end of the tunnel uh so to speak at least for this year uh, all the indications are that um people are um sort of shocked uh, as they should be that this is happening so quickly but it doesn't mean it's not going to happen you know you have already uh cardinal sarah saying whoops well you know i serve at the pleasure of pope francis and he seems to be the guardian of tradition so you know, ergo, he can't be wrong in this, or I'm going to find a positive way to read Pope Francis's uh, edict. There's no possible way to read this. We know this is the slow, uh, you know, uh, extinction of tradition, and it's mm-hmm. going to happen. Um, but for those who've been paying attention for the last 20 years, this was a writing on the wall. So those of us who've been saying this for such a long time, and not that we dislike those in the Ecclesia Dei communities, we just know whatever you got within that letter was only going to be short-lived because we knew the mind of the Vatican and when you knew eventually what they were going to be doing and they had spelled it out through several, I think um, when um, uh, uh, Muller came out initially, he wrote a letter to the Ecclesia Dei community saying, eventually we want you to be brought into this new mass. He wrote a letter to, to, to them saying that much. So you, Which this is all the more amusing when people lionize right. Mueller and say, "Oh, look, see, he's he's become this great, yeah. you know, opponent right. of Francis," and he was saying the same thing years ago. Right, right. Mm-hmm. He was. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Ryan, do you think it will be Operation Warp Speed? Um, will it be by this Holy Week that we start to see the world start to restrict Latin masses? Uh, certainly in the way of the diocesan Latin masses, unless the bishop himself is particularly invested in it, um, uh, unless they, Rome gives a specific order on that subject, uh, you know, for those particular bishops. Otherwise, I do see that happening. The big uh, uncertainty is how it's going to play out with the fraternity, with the Institute of Christ the King, or any other order that has, um, you know, that, that's constituted explicitly for this. So the fraternity has said, and by the way, I'm not pro-fraternity and anti-SSPX. I'm not pro-SSPX and anti-fraternity. I do go to a fraternity parish. I don't have a problem with either. So this is not a partisan viewpoint. Uh, the fraternity has claimed that they're not bound by the the dubia from, uh, you know, uh, the dreadful, loathsome uh, Archbishop Roach. And they're not, you know, and that traditionalist custodies, you know, doesn't really affect them because they have their own pontifical right. That may be true. And actually, according to, uh, uh, I think, an interview that Ed Penton did with Roach, he, Roach admitted as much that the fraternity is not in the purview of the dubia. They're under the Congregation of Religious. So now, you know, so where is this going to go? I think that brother is absolutely right that the fact that the Vatican picked one, the, the vicar for Rome, you know, puts out this policy, uh, you know, there'll be no triduum, there'll be none of this stuff where I mean, you can do the triduum, but no faithful can go to it, etc. Mm -hmm. A soupage implements that very thing, yeah, even more draconian, the Vatican reports that that is clearly where they, they want to see it go in Rome. Yeah. So there's, there's, uh, the way they're, my, I predict they're going to go about it is that they're also going to hit the fraternity and the institute. And the way they're going to do it is through the congregation of religious. First, they will do a visitation. Then it, whether they respond to phony dubia or they, they just put out a document about the problems they see in the fraternity, in the institute, seminaries or whatever, um, they're going to you know put in an administrator or whatever. And, or they might not even do that so quick. They might just do a directive that for your priests to uh, say, you know, the Triduum, they're going to have to concelebrate uh, the, the Chrism Mass with the bishop. And that's going to be mm -hmm. mandatory in order to do the Triduum. They'll put it in some heavy-handed way where, I mean, the bishop's not going to be inclined to let them out of that. Like, well, hey, all right, they're saying this. What, what's your problem? Um, so, and then this is where you'll, you'll see where, you know, which bishops really are uh, on the side of tradition, which ones aren't. But yeah. That'll be put in the fraternity priests will be put to the test. The leadership will capitulate is my prediction. The priests themselves, many of whom do not want to say the Novus Ordo, they're going to, and never have, they're going to be put to the test on that. And it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I don't know if it'll go that way, but that's kind of my prediction is they'll put mm -hmm. something like that out there and the, uh, and you'll have individual bishops that will even go further that may say, okay, the fraternity, you can't go to the fraternity for your triduum. You're going to have to go to your local territorial church or whatever they'll come up with for that. So that's kind of my prediction is that there will be fewer uh, traditional triduums as far as uh, the Ecclesia Dei side of things, because obviously the society and independence won't be affected by it. Yeah, but, but not a total blackout. They're, they're going to put those conditions. You may even see the steps taken in place to put a vat like uh, Franciscan to the Immaculate style, put an administrator over the fraternity. It's mm -hmm. going to require monthly concelebration, or who knows what they'll actually come up with in the end. But it'll be done through the congregation of religious, and that's where they're going to they're cut the feet out from under them because, guess what? That's run by people who absolutely hate uh, traditional religious life. Uh, you brought something up, and I want to ask you about it, and then we'll go reverse order back around. 
uh, you brought up the fact that the fraternity put out a statement. The Institute's been silent on it. The fraternity put out a statement and said, this doesn't apply to us. Not talking about us. I'm talking about somebody else. But not, not this guy, right? And Marshall did a, a really good stream about it where he said, look, it's one of two things. Either A, they're flexing, or B, they're caving. <laughs> Either this is a flex or they know that this isn't true and they're trying to sidestep the issue and be like, well, mm, we're okay, but, you know, you guys. Um, he went through about an hour discourse in which he argued, Ryan, that as a matter of fact, the dubia and traditionalist custodas in general does specifically apply to the fraternity of St. Peter. It names them by name in one of the footnotes or one of the cover letters or whatever. And he sort of walked it, walked his way through the documents and says that, look, for you to claim and give false hope to your parishioners, that this doesn't apply to you. I hope you're flexing because what it sounds like you're doing is just saying something that's not true. I think they're flexing. Uh, Marshall is not wrong, especially in regard to things like confirmations and ordinations, because that applies to bishops. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, now, canonists have cried foul on this, and they've said, well, wait a minute, they, they actually don't have the authority to do that because they're going beyond what Traditionus Custodes is. And maybe that's true, but once they figure that out, they'll just, you know, fix it so that it will be properly canonical when they, if they need to do that. So in one way or the other, they're going to make it stick. So the fact that they're, they're saying you can't use the Pontificale Romanum, the same book that uh, was used to consecrate so many saints as bishops. And there's the church, St. Francois de Sales, St. Robert Bellamino, St. Uh, Charles Borromeo. Um, you, know, you go down through the list of so many holy saints that were consecrated as bishops by that Pontificale. And Roma said, nope. You can't be consecrated by that anymore. It's this total animus delendi to the tradition, right? Um, that affects every bishop because he's not allowed to use the book he needs to use to mm -hmm. ordain new priests for the fraternity of St. Peter or, again, to, um, you know, to administer confirmations. Now, you could do it out of the missal, but it's kind of technically, you know, covered. That would be the technicality. You could do that. The bishop technically by canon law has the authority to say, well, we're going to set this aside in this diocese for the spiritual good of the faithful. And we'll see which ones actually have the cojones to do that uh, because they, the bishops see exactly which way the wind is blowing out of Rome. And they see exactly what they've got to do to, you know, keep their positions more or less. And the only thing that'll work in their favor is nobody wants to be a bishop right now because the climate is so <laughs> toxic in the Vatican and without that. You know, they're having a real hard time getting guys who want to be bishops. No, so, come James on. James Martin, come on. James Martin wants to be he a bishop. He did take it like that. Every yeah. lispy guy, every Probably. lispy guy Probably. ever wants to be a bishop. Every there's lispy there's, guy there's no shortage of people that want to be Especially with that, they are literally, they call people and they say no. There are there people that get recommended from the diocese to the nuncio. I, I've known of several cases uh, myself, priests that were offered and they said no. Because the usual vicar that has persecuted me personally wants to be a bishop. If they needed a bishop, I get I get a you know, I got a name to go. If his name goes up through the channels, <laughs> but they have certain people tap for, it, and this is no, so they go through the process again, and then and sometimes they're going three and four down the list before they find someone who wants to do it. So well, because it, at least it, one, no worthy man wants to do it right now because any worthy man is going to be asked to compromise on his principles. Same as to be honest. Yeah, so it, it, it's. 
it'll be interesting to see how this all actually plays out. But I think that's ultimately what's going to happen is that the fraternity will cave. They are flexing, in my opinion, but there's not a lot there. It's like a blow up fake arm that they're flexing, really, mm-hmm. to, to use the analogy. So it's James, I don't think it's going to work. James, what do you think about Ryan's analysis? Do you think that the fraternity statement is um, is genuine? Do you think that they uh, really do believe that uh, this dubia doesn't apply to them? Or do you think that they're just kind of putting the statement out there to okay. see what happens? No, I, I think they're buying time, you know, because they, they have to know this statement applies to them. They follow the, the thread of letters being written to them by the Vatican, um, basically asking them to compromise eventually, you know, so they know this applies to them. They're buying time. Whether or not this is good time uh, for this, because their uh, their faithful really need them to stand tall. This is the moment where they need to be standing tall. Um, but um, it, you know, there's not a whole lot of time to think about options. Okay, they've been given they've been given uh, something to think about, and the faithful want to know how they're going to react. So I don't think uh, this flex thing is going to amount to to much. So I, I'm with Ryan. You know, it's like when when the bell sounds, uh, there's going to be a whole lot of caving. It'll mm-hmm. remain up to the individual priests who have been of the, of the mindset that uh, there's been something wrong and 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 amiss, you know, coming out of the Vatican since uh, Francis's uh, papal rise, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, and whether or not it's them going back to tr- tracing the problem back to uh, them caving initially in 1988, because they haven't even really been offered anything since 1988. They were offered bishops and schools and this and that. Nothing has come of it, you know? So um, they might just want to rethink their whole strategy. If the strategy is we must have the mass and the mass is being taken from them, the mass cannot be the only charism. They have to be willing to speak about theological matters. Think They have to be able to, to, to preach about morality, you know? And right now the Vatican is really, really grinding down on uh, morality, on theological issues. You know, we talk about modernism. What is modernism to the fraternity, you know? And the, the Vatican is rewriting everything right now as he speaks. So this is for them a, a clear position that they have to stay away from or they have to compromise. And as Our Lady of Last Night has said, people will make compromises. Are these, are these people going to make compromises just to, to have the mass? That's a very good question. Yeah. Now, I mean, I don't know, James. Uh it's it's it, uh, compromising is not something that we should do when it comes to faith and morals um and what you're proposing that is that we're going to see is really scary brother martin do you think the frat is peacocking or uh or do you think they really truly believe that uh they're in the clear and there's no th- nothing to worry about i can tell you that the seminarians at the frat are being told, no, nah, don't worry, it doesn't apply to us. It's, 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 it's all the diocesan people, but we're we're special. Listen, you don't want to hear my honest opinion about the frat. <laughs> <laughs> but you're full screen right now. You have to say something. You have to talk. I will say something. I just wanted to. I just wanted to give it a dramatic pause after I said that statement. So there was. <laughs> Can you answer one question? Can you answer a preliminary question? Is it cold where you are right now, <laughs> Brother Martin? <laughs> on, on, on the contrary of, of, of the, the previous question, 
Um, the Oblates of St. Augustine are in very good dialogue with the local diocese and the local bishop. Um, contrary to reports from other Catholic media, the bishop here calls me Brother Martin, um, acknowledges our existence as a de facto association, um, et cetera, et cetera, and, and, and things are looking very positive. Um, I wear this scarf simply because he said that before I actually meet you, just don't give uh, a public witness by wearing a habit. Um, so I wear all black, et cetera, et cetera. I put on a scarf. Um, but I say this only to say that things are looking very positive here. And, and he's acknowledging, I mean, I told him we're, we're an exclusively traditional Latin mass community, et cetera, et cetera. And he recently sent me an email saying, you know, I don't reject you guys, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I just, I want to be obedient because that's the Catholic thing to do. Um, and, and to continue working with him and talking with him, explaining to him the charism of our community so that we can go to, through the proper ecclesiastical protocol uh, to get this new community off the ground. Um, so that's what I do. It is, I mean, it, it is somewhat cold in here, but it's, it's not, I mean, I have heat, but to be true to our um, vow of poverty or whatever, I only use the heat in order to, to kill the pain from, from the cold. I don't use it to actually be completely and totally comfortable. Um, it's not always good to be completely and totally comfortable. I mean, the monks from, from the, from Egypt, the, the desert fathers, um, always promoted fasting precisely to, to remove yourself from the constant state of being comfortable. We should never be completely and total 100% comfortable. You should always be doing something that makes you uncomfortable, um, whether that be in the temperature, whether that be in the quantity of food you eat, et cetera. Always be uncomfortable because it, it, it keeps you humble. Um, and so that's kind of one of those things that um, I like to do is just not use the heat to turn it up to making it something comfortable and using the heat to take the edge off, but then you can you can add layers. You can always add layers, so... That that's the answer to the question. What was the question I was answering before? Something about the fraternity. I've already <laughs> <forgot what> I, <laughs> I don't. Everyone's asking about your scarf and if you're a sous chef or so, or, or if you're rolling sushi or something. So, so this hat is actually a little cooler than an actual beanie. This is, I guess, this hat is is technically from the east. Uh, it's something that the eastern monks wear. Um, it's it's a lot lighter than a beanie, uh, but I just like wearing it because it's a hat. I miss my capuche. My always seeing capuche. I used to always put it up over my head, all that kind of stuff. But if you're if you're another community in the, in the church, you can't copy somebody else's habit. Uh, right. And you have to do something right. weird and drastic to it, make it look like a soccer jersey by putting embroidery on it or something. I don't know. Um, we're not there yet. I haven't found, found a person to make a habit. I miss my hat, and so I find a hat to wear. Um, back to the fraternity. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna get, we're gonna get to the predictions here, folks. We will. Well, we just we have to answer all the questions. They have questions about Brother Chewy too. Can you can you tell the quick history of Brother Chewy while you're just while you're answering randos? When when Father John and I were with the Society of Saint Augustine and Father John Riley, then Chancellor, now the Judicial Vicar of the uh, Diocese of Kansas, Archdiocese of Kansas City, Kansas, was booting us out um, because of our love for the traditional Latin Mass. Um, and I say this only because he decided to respond to George Millington in, in an email, which was a complete and total lie. And so if he wants to come at me with it, then he can he can offer the proof. Um, he suggested that that it was the prudent decision of a superior to to not renew my vows. That was completely false. I have the email evidence. I have the screenshot evidence. It's it was on my Twitter. Um, I asked to leave the Society of St. Augustine precisely because of a canonical visitation that they imposed because that Father John was offering the traditional at mass and I liked it. And I was going to it. Um, and so they threatened to close the community off to any new members. Actually, they did. They closed it off to any new members, which included me, who was coming up to final vows. 
And so given the situation, I asked to leave. But I, what I asked was I asked to extend my mouse from March until June because I was working as campus minister at a Catholic college and I wanted to finish out the semester without explaining to any of the students and scandalizing them that I was leaving. And so to, in order to avoid scandal, I asked for my vows to continue in a community that I no longer wanted to be in. In order to avoid scandal, I asked to, to extend my vows in a community that I no longer wanted to be in because they were exclusively Nova Sordo at that point. So I did that. And so where Father John Riley came up with the 60s, oh, it was a prediction decision of the superior not to renew it. But no, I asked to leave. I just simply asked them to be extended so that I could, that I could be a traditional. And so, and so that's what's happened. Um, question was i asked answering brother chewy history of brother chewy. Chewy. okay so we were <laughs> okay so we were about to leave me and father john and a week before, literally like a week a week and a half before we were about to leave um there's this dog just wandering our property just wandering our property and i noticed him but like uh on a friday night or something at 10 o'clock at night right as i was about to go to bed i look out my window because i hear whining and there's this little little half chihuahua half mm-hmm. dachshund climbing up on our on our downstairs door asking to to get into the house asking to get into the monastery and i was like oh that poor dog but we were in our city it wasn't uncommon to see stray dogs etc cetera, etc cetera. so i went to bed but the next day this dog was still around our property and we kind of whispered him in etc cetera, etc cetera. we asked one of the groundkeepers um you know if they knew who the owner of this dog was and he said he had no idea but that he had seen this dog every day on this property for the last two weeks uh, and then again, around the property, we have a, a, a past of pe- uh, people just dumping litters of cats on our property, et cetera, et cetera, dogs, just, just abandoning them. And so because this dog didn't have a, a, a tag, he didn't have a chip, nowhere for us to return him. We, he was rejected. We were rejected. We just thought, let's just, let's just go the three of us. Um, and he became one of us. He became, became you know, the third member of the Obeys of St. Augustine. Father Justin mm-hmm. typically technically a member, but I take care of him. But he, he became one of us. And so that's, that's kind of the story of Brother Chewy is that he was abandoned. We were abandoned by our own church. We were thrown out of the street. He was thrown out on the street. Uh, and so we took him in, Brother Chewy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we'll skip the frat for now. We'll, we'll, just, <laughs> we'll just keep on, keep on moving. Um, why don't we jump into Pope Francis? There is a rumor, uh, Ryan, and I was recently in Rome. I was there a few weeks ago. I sat down with a few blue check marks on Twitter, and the opinion uh, amongst those blue check marks are all split. Some think that it is true, these rumors, that he has some kind of colon cancer, which would be ironic, um, or, um, or some other cancer, which is going to imminently kill him. And that's why he's moving at Operation Warp Speed to suppress Latin mass. Other of the blue check marks that I met did not think that he was, uh, that he was sick at all. Um, what do you think, Ryan? Predictions for the pontificate next year. When I lived in Rome, the rumor was Pope John Paul II was going to die any any time. His death was imminent. This is 2002, and he is, um, you know, he's, he's sick. He, he can't. He has to have uh, nurses come in and turn him over in his bed because he couldn't even move himself, and he was, he was practically an invalid from Parkinson's, etc. So he was going to die any time. Well, no, he lived for two more years, and and died in 2004. So, but but the rumors were just as um, ubiquitous as they are now. 
in terms mm -hmm. of Pope Francis. So I don't think you can take anything for granted. My prediction um, is that he may live through 2022. And if he doesn't, however, then whoever's Pope will be elected will be the one to continue the Great Reset agenda. And yeah. um, just as you saw in you know the Middle Ages and the Renaissance period where the monarchies had a papal veto and Spanish government or the Habsburgs, the Bubons are really heavily involved in using their cardinals to influence who's going to get elected to get the man that's going to fit their policies, right? The... Um, similar thing with the powers that shouldn't be in the world today are going to be influencing that papal conclave through their men that they control through money or drugs or, or, or blackmail or whatever. And those guys are going to be, you know, getting it, getting whoever it is going to be. And it'll, and my prediction has been, even though he just got demoted recently by Francis, if Francis does in fact die, which I don't think he will, I think he's going to live through 2022. But if he does, it'll be Cardinal Turkson. And the reason is it's the perfect lineup for the powers it shouldn't be. So now you get a black uh, African pope that is not uh, a conservative resource font like Cardinal Sarah that probably at least believes the faith, even if he's not so as strong as we would like him to be uh, on all these other things. Turkson is very much of the mind of Francis on so many of these issues. So he'll come out pushing the Great Reset and the unholy sacrifice of the jab. Mm -hmm. and he's black. So when you resist him or criticize him, you're racist yeah. against this new black poop for having done so. And I think that's the way they're going to roll with it. Uh, well, they learned it from Obama. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I agree with you. I think Turkson, um, I, Turkson didn't get sacked. Turkson is being groomed right now. as a full-time job taking over the, uh, the, the uh, chair of Peter supposedly. So um, I think that's what they're gunning for. Uh, James, your thoughts on not only on Pope Francis uh, or at least, the man in white named Francis, but the other man in white also named Pope Benedict the 16th. Uh, do both of them survive 2022? Do neither does one, what happens if Frank dies and Benny lives on? Wow. Um, very interesting question. I don't have a prediction as to Benedict dying in 2022, but I'm speculating more only because it's been put out there uh, by various uh people that uh francis might you know not make it through 2022 so it's kind of put an impression in my mind that something is unfurling you know um so i i think turkson is a likely successor of francis uh for many reasons you know he can be easily uh manipulated not because he he's a, he's adverse to it but because he wants to he wants to be loved by the world and he wants to stand by with international powers and uh, to sort of do their, their bidding. So he's a likely successor of uh, Francis if uh, that likely, uh, sorry, if that event becomes likely of Francis uh, leaving this world in 2022. As far as Benedict goes, if Benedict uh, makes it through 2022, that'll be surprising too. You know, um, he's uh, definitely um, looking very frail and, um, you know, but I'm not putting too much stock in anything changing. If he does survive and outlive uh, Francis, he's still going to be seen as the, you know, emeritus uh, pope, uh, which was his choice uh, phrasing there. Um, my concern is um, the 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 uh, church that we are all trying to escape will come after us. This new church uh, will keep coming after us in 2022 with the rise of Turks and if he were to become Pope. And so we are going to be um, in a whole lot of trouble because uh, I can predict 
Turkson moving moving even faster than uh, Francis did, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and that's that's my concern. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Brother Martin, uh, if you get a guy like Turkson or really any any new guys, it's similar with the presidency. You sort of have like this wave of enthusiasm, and you have a window of opportunity to get something big done early on. And people and and put your name on it, and that becomes the defining, um, you know, sort of reverberating thing throughout your papacy. Especially if you're talking about a five or ten year papacy, uh, which with a guy like Turkson, who's who's not a young, he's not a spring chicken, uh, you know, you would you would expect something like that. So I think that even if Turkson is in in 22, that we're still we're that won't slow down the agenda; it'll speed it up. Your thoughts on uh, whether or not, um, well, we'll, if we're going to end 2022 with two men wearing white in Rome or just one and which one it will be. To be honest, uh, we've heard very little about this, the state of uh, Pope Emeritus Benedict's health. Um, within, the, within the past two, three years, I think we've been, asked via social media to continue praying for him, et cetera, et cetera, because, you know, he was getting sick, et cetera. And of course, Pope Francis went in recently for, for a surgery. And so these kinds of things are, they're, I mean, it's, it's unpredictable in, in a, in a particular sense. So we're at, within the circumstances to, to predict something that's really unforeseeable. But um, I think that the, the next, the next, really the next Pope is going to be at least the same agenda as Pope Francis there's some that predict that a lot of the cardinals are um, not happy with Pope Francis. They want things the way they were more under Pope Benedict. Uh, to be honest, Pope Francis has appointed the majority of the cardinals. So I don't know. I don't know what the basis of their of their prediction actually is, given the fact that Pope Francis has now uh, given a red hat to the majority of those that will be electing. Um, so I, I I don't understand the, the the foundation of the prediction that. Cardinals are fed up. Um, I mean, with, with with the likes of Cardinal Supich, Cardinal Tobin, Cardinal Farrell, who was a legionary of Christ. I really, I really, you know, and who covered for Cardinal McCarrick. Mm. I really, I really don't see uh, the truth behind the prediction of that. Um, cardinals are fed up with 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 the agenda of Pope Francis. They want something more normal. Um, but but given that fact that Pope Francis has has given the red hat to the majority of the cardinals, I I think the majority of them will follow his agenda because the majority of them actually agree with it. Yeah, um, I'll give a quick prediction. I think that the most damaging thing that Pope Francis could possibly do in 2022 is to resign. And here's why I say that's the most damaging thing that he could do. That would create a scenario in which two popes in a row have resigned. It would normalize it and it would cause it to be the ex- the expectation. That would therefore reduce the papacy from a monarchical structure to that of merely a prime minister in which you resign once you're unpopular. You resign when your time has passed. You resign when things get too difficult. Um, in that scenario, we would see um, we would see a reduction in the esteem, the power, the glory of the chair of Peter. And because that is the most destructive thing that he could possibly do, I am here hereby predicting that that is what he will do. So I think in 2022, you may end up seeing Pope Francis resign. And uh, it may be because it's true that he is going to die um, that year anyway, and he probably doesn't want to die. 
in office without uh, wreaking as much havoc as possible on his way out and on his way down. Um, okay, so next topic. Um, let's move to American politics. We have a midterm coming up in 2022, Ryan Grant. Uh, midterm selection, as you like to say. It's like the word election with an S on it. Um, obviously, the Republicans are going to win back the House. Obviously, a guy like Kevin McCarthy is going to become the speaker and therefore the third in line to the president. Um, what what predictions do you have generally either about the midterm election and selection in 2022 or any of the other political happenings and posturings and uh, would-be, you know, uh, presidential candidates traveling to Iowa or anything of that nature? I don't know about that. Um, I'm certain that we'll see on the Repu- – I mean, all the attention is going to go on the Republican side because they're not currently in the White House. And so that'll be various people, DeSantis, Abbott, maybe even the gal from uh, South Dakota um, – there's a few other people, you know, will will put their head in. I wouldn't be surprised to see Laura Boebert, uh, the the gal from uh, Colorado, um, that uh, I actually like her, you know, run around with guns. Um, don't know so much about her politics, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them all get in. But really, it's all a dog and pony show, in my opinion. You know, you know they give you heroes, they give you your villains. So that this is the latest drama to string everyone along. So, I mean, look, they demonstrated two years ago that your vote doesn't count. Biden even said as much. Um, it's not about who votes, it's who counts the votes. He said that mm-hmm. on live TV. And, and I think that's when he, he forgot to, he, and he said the quiet part out loud. <laughs> so uh, this is all just a big show. It'll be, you know, oh, let's get the Republicans in the House and Biden will still be present. And then he'll go crazy on executive orders. There'll be this wrangling and Republicans will very quietly start putting in the great reset agenda just in other ways from the Democrats building up the police state, building up, you know, the, the, the law and order police state that's then going to turn its the eye of Sauron on you when you don't have your MAGA jab or whatever else down the road. And don't forget, all these guys are jabbed, all the, or even Rand Paul praising the jab. He just says that you shouldn't be forced to get it. So as far as I'm concerned, whatever it is, it's going to reflect the public mood, which is that even the left is not happy about Biden, which uh, so they will they'll play that off as see, well, Democrats aren't happy with Biden. So they're going to stay away from the polls. And that's why the Republicans are going to win now. And then it also allow them to ratch, get the left energized because uh, the left is not particularly energized for Biden, but put in a Republican control Congress and boom, they'll all get behind Biden again. And then you go into 2024 and however the way the wind goes or whatever the whoever there's the man of the hour to implement the new agenda, that's who will be put in. So, uh, you know, worry about who's in your local city hall, worry about your sheriff, worry about even things that, that the dog catcher, the, you know, whatever, all these local things that all have ability to impact you in one way or the other uh, that you can actually still control for the most part. Yeah. Get out there because that's been the Soros strategy. Soros has been, uh, you know, promoting liberal candidates in red states to get into these positions. They are the ones who imposed mask mandates in conservative t- states, cities, whatever. They are the ones who are limiting your freedom, who are given the the order to the local cops to enforce lockdowns and things like that. Those are the places you need to be focused on. Show up at your city council meetings. Make some noise. All right. That that's something that actually can accomplish something, at least for now. 
because that, you know, as Chesterton says that the politician needs to be kept close. Uh, that way he can be kicked or hanged from a tree. <laughs> I'm, I'm, hearing, I'm hearring Cunningham right now. Y'all need to think local act in the local New York City. City. New York That's City. the only thing. That's the only thing you can do. Don't waste your time with the midterms because it's all a big show. <laughs> Hodge and Godge. All right, yeah. uh, American politics, James, the Texas oh, trad. You know what my uh, my prediction? I'll tell you this: um, the, the votes are already counted. You know, in those, especially in those areas where they know there's high contention, the votes are already counted. So it doesn't matter who's running right now. They're probably it's just a popularity uh, contest, you know, to see who can, you know, get more interest about them in the public opinion. You know, uh, I think votes are already counted uh, for someone like, uh, you know, Christy Nome to get into uh, running. I, I, I don't even know. I, I think she knows. Uh, she'll be done before she even starts. I, I think COVID has sort of put a uh, more of a cautious, um, I, I guess people are being more cautious in, in, into how they're assuming elections will be run. Some people don't trust still the, the, the uh, elections of 2020. And so they might be cautious approaching 2022. So I, I don't think there's much to see as far as the results go, as long as we still have those things in place that caused 2022 there's some hesitance even from Republicans to go out there and vote because they realize it's, at this point it's a dog and pony show. So, But they're being silenced, right, by their own Republican uh, 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 leaders. You know, they're being told everything is OK. What are you talking about? Don't be a conspiracy nut. So they're the ones now who are bringing brought to understand, wow, you know, this really is a dog and pony show. I'm not going to waste my vote. But to those who are out there still excited about the process, yeah, of course, they're going to go out and vote. But whether or not it's going to be enough to turn things around uh, positively, I, I see the House being taken back by, by the by the Republicans. But those are the Republicans who are going to hand us over to Sauron, you know. <laughs> you know? So that's that's kind of how I think it's going to go. Um, it's a losing battle. Um, it's nice to slow things down, uh, but things are really going to be geared up towards, like Ryan said, increasing the power of the police force. Imagine, you know, uh, like I said at the beginning of the show. Uh, we talk about Plato's Republic, right? So you're always going to have the philosopher kings. You're always going to have, you know, the uh, the police right under them, and then you're going to have the plebs. So, you know, however you however however you want to look at it, the police state, the, those guys in the middle are always going to want to do the bidding of people who are right above them, you know. And so that's the way for them to stay in power. And why are we wasting our effort, you know, into securing our own defeat? Our own crushing defeat. I have no mm-hmm. idea. Mm-hmm. Um, politics are they lost, Brother Martin? Is it a waste of time? Is this just a dumb question? Should we skip this round? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. And there's not enough emphasis on holiness, and and, and actually the 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 required virtue virtue of the actual people being governed in the conversation of politics there's there's not enough emphasis on the fact that you actually have to have people striving for holiness in order to have the government you need uh to be catholic there's a lot of people saying you know catholics can be libertarians etc etc that requires everyone to have been converted to the catholic faith or or else the majority to where they can impose their 
will through the power of secular government upon those that have not yet converted. And so ultimately the question comes down to that there is no political solution. The only solution is that everybody become Catholic and actually live their Catholic faith, strive to be holy, strive to be saints. Um, and that's the only way we'll finally experience justice and peace on this earth. This earth is never going to give us exactly what we're going to, what we, what we long for. We, we want to find that here, but I guess it's the Lewis uh, worded it in that desire for happiness. If ever I should find it in myself, an innate natural desire that no object in this world can satisfy, I must conclude that I was made for another world. Mm. That conclusion in and of itself has not been adequately presented and discussed in the conversation of politics by Catholics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, especially when the highest ranking Catholics in the government are Sleepy Joe and Winebox Nancy. I mean, you literally, I mean, like the number one and number three person in government are supposedly Catholic and they hate human life and they hate the Catholic faith. Exactly. Um, all right. Let's talk about economics, guys, because I think this is where it's going to get really interesting. This is where the rubber is going to meet the road. I mean, political theory and, you know, bashing on libertarians, which is something that I will always engage in. It doesn't matter what time of day it is. I love to bash lib- libertarians, but um that's all a little like heady and theoretical and whatever you know, stuffy professor stuff. Um, when it comes to your money, your purchasing power, your assets, providing for your children, mm, that's a little more tangible and relatable, Ryan. Um, predictions economically, whether or not it's you know the the uh, the crypto currency, the controlled banking, the you'll be locked out of the economy, the uh, collapse of the dollar, hyperinflation, um, higher taxes, of course, any of those things. Tell us what we can expect. The first thing you can expect is the collapse of the supply chain, which is baked in for at least the first six months of the year to to get really tight and then the next six months to utterly collapse so that you, you'll go to the, you'll see, you'll go to the, you'll have bread lines. You'll go to the grocery store. There will be no food. The um, one you're seeing it was cyber attacks, cyber attacks, mm-hmm. which are all of course predicted by Bill Gates and uh, the world economic forum and, you know, Klaus Schwab and all that, uh, those clowns. And of course they're attacking who attacking food, attacking fuel uh, trucks at the Canadian border are you know for bring a lot of food that's imported through Canada into the, this country uh they're getting you know shut down that you have to have a, a jab passport to cross the border and a good number of Canadian and American truckers who make the those routes are not jabbed so that uh will lead to a lot of trucks being parked and a lot of goods not being delivered uh we had one of the worst crop yields through a mix of weather and through uh the policies surrounding the scandemic so the result is that uh, your food is going to be really tight this year uh, in a lot of places. You're going to see a lot of stuff that's out and just continues to be out. Uh, and whether it's in a cargo ship or it just doesn't exist, it's it's not going to come back. Uh, food you're used to getting are going to be very hard to find. And there's good because there's and they're going to have to do it this way because they keep promoting the eat the, bo- the eat the bugs live in a pod thing. And mm-hmm. even normies are rejecting it. And we're not doing that. So they need to make it a reality by taking away the alternative. And so that's in, in, they centralized the food supply. They got everyone to get into the centralized chain. Now they're blowing it up. 
And so, uh, you know, your grocery stores, your, you know, all your food supply things, those are going to be the, you know, well, well, the government will come in and nationalize those at some level and then dole things out in bread lines. That's my thing. And that's going to impact everything else you do, obviously, because the cost of your food is going to go up and your purchasing power of the dollar is going to go down. Uh, people are going to have less and less savings if they have any at all right now. And they're, they're just not going to be able to participate in any kind of meaningful economic activity in the long run. The, the, the long end of 2022 is going to see a lot of this just basically to force the jab passports because then they'll come in. Oh, but if you get the jab, you'll be able to get all this food. And that's how it is going to it, going to go uh, emptying out your ability to live without that. And so it. In tandem with that, you'll see farmers markets, local jurisdictions. Again, if you haven't got the right people in, they're going to impose that you've got to have your jab pass to go into the farmer's market. If you're a farmer and you want to sell your food at the farmer's market, you're going to need your, your jab pass in order to get into the farmer's market to sell your, your wares. So your people are going to have to get creative and network with people, know who they are now. So you can go and exchange things and whether you're going to be doing it still with money, uh, that depends. Because once the, the the CBDC, the Central Bank Digital Currency, I've been warning about episode upon episode upon episode, needs the jab passport in order to go in. Everyone, all your financials and medical have to be in one place. And then that allows the centralization of all currency through this digital bank issued currency that is based on nothing. Uh, it's like Rick and Morty. It's like a computer that says one equals one. That's that's your currency somewhere in, in uh, London or in uh, the New York Fed or wherever. So that's that's what you can expect for the future, in my opinion. And I really like with all these predictions, I hope that I'm dead wrong. I hope that we have a better year than we've ever had before. And I have to stand you know, next year and say, well, guess it was wrong about that. I really want that, please. <laughs> but that that's how I see it going. It's just not going to be good. Yeah. Uh, James, you have a particular perspective, I think, on banking as well. Um, do you think that the central banks are going to tighten the leash on us in 2022? Um, do you think that forced participation in controlled digital currency, uh, track, trackable to you um, and uh, assignable to you based on your behavior, is going to hit us already in 22? You know, what's really interesting is um, this whole digital currency thing has been a psyop from the very beginning. So a lot of people have bought into the idea that uh, Bitcoin is going to be the future uh, saving grace that pulls you away from the central banks. But what it does actually is it opens up more room for them to take exactly everything from you. So you talk about uh, central banks right now. I mean, uh, we're looking at, uh, you know, uh, interest rates being hiked up. You know, I think ex exponentially um, uh -huh. we've been we've been in a situation for the last uh, 10 years that has been begging for something to happen, to rein everything in. Uh, but instead, we keep sort of dialing it back, dialing it back, dialing it back, anticipating it's going to hurt a little bit. But at this point right now, we're sitting on what I would call, call a volcano that is waiting to erupt. Now, like Ryan just said, I'm hoping all of this doesn't happen. But it's foolhardy to think it's not going to happen because we don't have anything else, uh, you know, coming to give us that relief. You know, with the more shutdowns that are happening, uh, the, the basically uh, tacking on the idea of uh, Vax Passport and other things which are going to crush uh, the ability to, to skirt around all these issues. It becomes harder and harder to see how we're going to mm -hmm. move forward as a society without 
making some sort of compromise with the government. And this, this basically going to give you food if you do X, if you do Y, if you do Z. Well, if you're not participating in it, you know, uh, that's going to be a problem because what are you going to do, starve to death? So they're really hoping for something sinister to happen that's going to cause all this to funnel down the way they want it to go. Yeah. Uh, I hope I'm wrong, uh, yeah. but um, I don't see a way out. There's a volcano and it's waiting to erupt. This is uh, so on the banking thing. And Barbara Farley makes an excellent point. I'm highlighting her comment right now. During the height of the lockdowns, I remember taking the kids out to a, a place in the country, uh, a, a creamery where they, you know, have their own goats and cows and they make ice cream there. And I thought, okay, well, we're way outside the city limits. We're in a very small town, small zip code, walk the kids in, no masks or anything like that. And, but they still had a sign-in sheet. And in the sign-in sheet, they said, you know, we, this is for contact tracing purposes. You know, this was, uh, this was, I don't know, April or May of 2020. And, um, and if you, if you bought ice cream, you had to put your name and address and everything. Cause if somebody were to God forbid, uh, contract the, uh, the, you know, the, the sniffles, then they wanted to know, but you only had to sign the book brother Martin, if you paid in cash. In other words, if you inserted your chip, they know who you are. They, they're tracking everything that you're doing. They know everything about you. They have your home address, et cetera. So you only literally had to sign the book if, if you're paying in cash. I mean, aren't we already in this dystopian, you know, pay-to-play world? They just haven't really yanked the chains on us yet? Absolutely. Absolutely. With everything we do from using our phones, from using our computers, from using our cards, um... I mean, even then, they're they're going to track us by our cash too. They're, I mean, eventually the feds are going to ban receipts for everything that we've pur- 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 purchased through cash. Um, they're going to track us. I mean, there's, there's there's millions of people in the United States, over 300 million. So it's it's going to obviously it's going to be difficult for any sort of institution to track every single thing um, that individuals do. But but nonetheless, that's their mindset. They want to track the things that we do, the things that we purchase, where we go, where what we do. Um, I mean, the majority of us, I think, don't have really anything to hide except unless you're uh, Jeffrey Epstein or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it is. It's getting to the point that they 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 want they want they want the security of knowing where everybody is going and what everybody is doing. But to be honest, I mean, so many terrorist attacks have happened within the last ten years uh, that they it it really gives us the assurance that they pos- they can't possibly uh, track real danger and real threats precisely because they've overlooked the, the real ones. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of terrorist attacks, speaking of, uh, well, let's, where is this video? Bro, I'm still on full screen. What am I doing? I know you're still, I know because I'm looking for a video. You, you're supposed what to have I, a longer answer. What do I do with my hands? I, <laughs> Wave them around like you just don't care. Right. <laughs> so these are my icons. Enthusiasm. <laughs> and uh, we've agreed to work together so that the world is better prepared to detect and deal with future pandemics because there will be future pandemics. We have a, uh, I'm sure you've seen it. If you haven't, you'll get it. 
Uh, there will be future pandemics, Ryan. Uh, your prediction for the crisis of 2022, will it be a military incursion into the Ukraine against Russia? Will it be Ooh. Taiwan? Will it be a terrorist attack? Will jihadis make a comeback? Remember jihadis? <laughs> I, for, I forgot you about mean, jihadis. Uh, you mean CIA paid and trained agents? Aren't, they, aren't you either with us or against us? Don't y'all remember that? Um, wh- what's going to be the crisis of 2022? Is it smallpox like Billy Gates says? Is it another pandemic? What is the new crisis to keep this president in office? Uh, frankly, I think that the new crisis is going to be a cyber attack. Like, an, it, it, So people have been saying for years, particularly if you follow James Corbett in uh He's a Canadian, lives in Japan, CorbettReport.com. I got to give him the shout out because he you know, tuned me on to this years ago when he was talking about it. The iPatriot Act is already written. Most major bills are actually already written. You know, Nancy Pelosi's not up to three in the morning. All right, I'm on page 1200 now. I just got another thousand to go. That's not how it works. These bills are already written by lobbyists, by defense contractors, by people who want to see certain things go out. And then names and dates get swapped out and then it gets put into to play. So the, the Patriot Act was such a bill. It was written for Oklahoma City. Right? That's why it was called the Patriot Act to begin with, is because of uh, Operation PatCon to use false flags of Patriot terror, militias and the like in the 90s in order to bring in the police state. Well, nobody went for it. It took 9-11 to get that in there. And then they brought the same bill in that Joe Biden put in in 1995. And they just put a new, you know, put it out there, same name, Patriot Act, and boom, there it is. And now we're living under that, that tyranny. So if we go further, the iPatriot Act is already written that will restrict the internet. You'll need an ID. And of course, that, that joins in hand and glove with your jab passports. But you will need an ID to get on the internet. It'll be Internet 2.0, which will be created in response to Whatever false flag cyber attack, it's going to be really bad. It'll either be a cyber attack that shuts down, say, a hospital and people die, or it will shut down uh, jab production, possibly. It will shut down something major to the infrastructure that will cause a lot of death and chaos, and people will jump to it and say, oh, wow, we better support this new Internet. We better get all our, our, our IDs and credentials in place so that we can use this new Internet. And then they'll be able to control everything, including, of course, small businesses and everything else. And again, it works hand in glove with the jab passport in the CBDC to have this new Internet. And if you're caught using the dark web or whatever it is, will be the dark web, no matter what it is, uh, then then that, that'll be possibly jailable, shut down your accounts, whatever. So I don't know if all of that will be in place in 2022, but definitely the Internet, as we know, it will be ended at the end of 2022. And it'll be something new in its place that'll gradually get worse and worse and uh, curtail all of your freedom. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay. Uh, Ryan predicts that a cyber attack will be the new hotness, James. What do you think is going to be the crisis du jour as COVID-1984 continues to fizzle out? Or do you think COVID will uh, just be recycled? No, it'll be something else. Um, there's, I mean, technology is building up to be something that is quite the uh, nemesis of people of freedom, right? You know, so they've gotten us bought, locked, bought, sealed in this idea. Even your cars right now are talking to you. Your cars are moving for you. They're talking for you. Uh, everything is talking to you, listening to you. A few weeks ago, we heard somebody uh, was in disbelief that uh, their phone was listening to them when they took it into 
confession. This has been going on for a while. You know, the television can hear you, can speak to you. So absolutely, we're in a situation right now. If you want to go uh, warp speed dystopian, you know, that's exactly what's going to happen. What happens in 1984 is everything you own is basically used against you. Right. And what was this? It was technology. You know, the, 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 the things on the walls that you think are just there to entertain you are actually there to get mm-hmm. information from you, mm-hmm. you know. And then let me add this quote from Our Lady of La Salette. All the civil governments will have one and the same plan, which will be to abolish and do away with every religious principle to make way for materialism, atheism, spiritualism and vice of all kinds. You know, so this is kind of where we're, we're headed. And this is going to be whatever it is that comes, whether it's the t- more technology uh, uh, being used against us, or whether it's uh, a new fangled Corona or something else of that sort, it's going to be used to, to basically reduce us into uh, people that we cannot recognize ourselves. And so uh, definitely more uh, of a reason to pray more, not vote more, but to pray more. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So Ryan predicts a cyber attack. James predicts uh, the Internet of Things being used against us. Brother Martin, um, your crisis du jour. What's happening in 2022? That's a good question. And both Ryan and James say something technological. I'd I'd say... I don't think it's going to be technological. I mean, China has committed cyber attacks against the United States constantly stealing people's information, et cetera, et cetera. They've created TikTok, um, gathering everybody's information. Um, it might have something to do with that gathering information. I mean, they, uh, there, was, there was speculation that China has something to do um, with TikTok and gathering information about the Vatican. So so it's it's cyber attacks, but it's not like breaking in and finding people's passwords. It's It's, it's – finding out what people do with their personal lives through, through apps such as Tinder, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I think the U S is, 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 has actually discovered a way around this with, with this new case. I forget her first name, Maxwell. Her last name is Maxwell. She was a with, with exactly. It's a weird name. Um, but finding a way to steal, to, to gather all of the evidence and, and, and seal it so that nobody can find out about it. Um, so, so I don't know about all these cyber attacks because, I, be, I mean, the U.S. also has a military intelligence and, and finding a way to to hide certain information, et cetera, et cetera. The 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 scamdemic or whatever was was an interesting tool because it was something that was very practical to the general population of sickness and illness. It, it, it appealed to their to their fears um, that they have to do in their er- everyday life, and so it it was something very practical and very very normal um a, a cyber attack or something of that sort is is more susceptible to conspiracy theories and there there are plenty of conservative pundits out there to be able to stir the population to thinking a certain other way um so it won't be as effective as as a virus because i think when it all came out in march 2020 even all the conservative pundits were like well Let's, let's wait to see what this is for a second. It gave everybody a pause. But if a cyber attack were to happen, there would be certain people that would be immediately uh, questioning whether or not it was legitimate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, I think to be honest, they played their best card already. 
I think I think they they played their best card. Um, I, but but however, there's there's still the, the other fear of nuclear war, Iran, who has supposedly been been this close to the de- de- developing a nuclear bomb since 1995. For Thirty years, exactly. <laughs> Um, I, saw, I saw that meme since 95 they've been they've been months away from the bomb this is what set six administrations it's like, so, but they've got to mix it Brooklyn up said, i did not have relations with that woman <laughs> I mean, come on. but they've got to mix it up they've got to mix it up i mean we're we're, we're we're so focused on the danger coming from now a flu uh and then also technology that they're gonna have to come from some other perspective they're, they're gonna have to come from left field in order to catch us apart catches off well, guard there'll be a perfect storm for sure and obviously the apps are a big problem and of course they're ending 3g service in march so unless you've got yourself a handy little fondle slab you will not have phone service all right that that's just the reality so they're going to push you on because you everyone needs to have one of these at least for now in order for them to have the jab passports that's the only way you can verify it because there are going to be people with phony cards sometimes they won't be able to tell the difference they might try the qr code thing but the, the israelis hacked the qr code pretty handily so they'll have an app that is secured and that is i mean for them <laughs> not for us that will um you know be be something you won't be able to fake and that's how they're going to run it in, in the end that's why everyone's going to have to have one or just go without one so in which I could, I found it very useful if I'm driving around the country, because uh, even with maps, you know, I don't have the knowledge of the place. And at least if I've got the Google lady saying, turn here, you know, and all right, you know, and, and so on and so forth. So there is a, a major convenience there, but we're going to have to give that up. Uh, as it is, there's a number of apps I don't have. You look at the uh, my insurance company, uh, my car insurance company actually wanted us to download an app. And that would, um, you know, get, and we'd get a huge discount if we downloaded the app. What's the app? Uh, it ties into your bank accounts, ties into every last thing. It records every last thing you do. It also ties into your phone and the GPS to know if you are speeding. You ever watch the Google Maps? And it puts the speed limit on there and it puts your speed on there so that uh, they know if you're speeding or not. If you have a phone in the car, just because you don't have the map app open doesn't mean they don't know you're speeding. They can tell that based on uh, based, based, based on the math from the phone and the GPS and all this other stuff. I, I don't know how to break oh, I'm not an engineer. The, I can't break all What was down. the movie? Oh, man. There was a movie. It was like the, the, the fifth element or something where Bruce Willis is speeding in his digital car and his car is like, oh, you've been speeding too many times. And the car just turns off. Right. Yep. <laughs> or he, <laughs> runs, he runs a red light. He runs a yeah. red light and then that's his last fine and it shuts him down. So he just gets stuck in his hover car in midair. Yeah. Um, that's an unsung movie, actually, the fifth element. But anyway, um, not, not going down that tangent. Uh, <laughs> but that's really what it is. All the apps and, and like you look at your Fitbit, uh, you know, tracking your health. Obamacare mm-hmm. was was really wasn't so much about giving it actually gave nobody insurance. There's this big myth. Oh, everyone's covered now. No, everyone is required by law to have insurance, which I refuse to get. Um you know, you have to, you know, that, that's what it was because they want everything centralized and it worked really heavily with public school records to create this centralized standardized system where all those records are there for four eyed bureaucrats to get a hold of and start making decisions about your health. And that, that's really the, the, the plan with it all. Get more apps you get, the more of your information is gone. The fewer you have, the, the more you've got rights wise. So, but I think in the end, though, to make all this stuff happen, they do need it. But it won't just be mere little cyber attacks here and there. This, it's going to be the big one. 
like I said, it's going to be something that kills a lot of people, uh, whether it shuts down a nuclear plant or it shuts down a hospital or it shuts down something and a lot of people die from it and the media will play it over and over and over uh, in, in proportion to that they've ignored the Ghislaine Maxwell trial, which is just cleanup. I mean, I don't know why anyone thought anything would ever pan out from that. It's just cleanup to shut it all down. Yeah. And everyone knows that. Yeah. Yeah. That's paying attention anyway. Um, I want to get my prediction for the uh, crisis du jour in 2022. Ryan says it's cyber in nature. James, also cyber, but a different variant. <laughs> Brother Barn, <laughs> I, I, I sort of forget what yours was. It was, it's yours not was like, it's not going to be something, something, something completely something different. Something new. Something new. Something new. Something, something, something we can't even think of. They played their best card already. They played their best card. I think they're still holding. They got they got pocket aces in their hands, is what they have, and I think that they're still holding it. And I think that the card that they're going to play, unfortunately, is financial in nature. I think that we are due for a correction, but the mother of all corrections, the purpose of the central bank, ostensibly, is to curb inflation. James alluded to that in his answer when he said that they would raise interest rates when we were talking about economics. And I think that that's true, but it doesn't matter if they raise interest rates even to 10% or 20%. That's not going to solve the inflationary crisis that we have coming due. The chickens are coming home to roost, ladies and gentlemen. And the currency that you are using, the products that you are buying, the assets that you hold, all denominated in the U.S. dollar by the lethal exclusive force of government, those things are going to cost more because the purchasing power of your dollar is being inflated away into nothing. We are headed for hyperinflation, the likes of which the world has seen before, but not in the developed world, not in a nation like the United States. And I think when that happens, that is the perfect moment of chaos. That is the perfect moment of pandemonium for them to strike, for a strong man to come forward with a plan. And he is going to say, here's how I'm going to fix inflation. I have this digital currency. I have this other currency. I have this mark of the beast. I will give you all a universal basic income. I will ensure that all of you have a job. I will give you all an Obama phone. These are all just precursors to the new nanny state, the ultimate nanny state. And it will be a global nanny state. And I think that's happening really realistically in 2022. Look, home prices are up. Uh, cars are, you can't even buy a car these days. Basic things that you and I need that we think we need anyway. We cannot get millennials and Zoomers and whoever else comes after millennials. I don't know all the generational lingos. Can't buy houses because you can't make more land. And the appreciation in property values has been so insane uh, people are trying to park their assets. They're looking, they're desperate they're for places to put money and get out of the U.S. dollar. I think that cryptocurrency is a honeypot. I think that uh, gold and silver are, are, are way undervalued and purposefully undervalued because I think central banks around the world have been dumping their physical assets onto the world uh, commodities markets in order to suppress the price of those things. But the chickens are coming home to roost, ladies and gentlemen. And money is a weapon system. 
I learned this in the Marine Corps, by the way, in Command and General Staff College. Money as a weapon system is something that developed governments know how to use, and we use it effectively in our illegal wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. And so what we're going to see in 2022 is money being used as a weapon system against us, and the goal of which will be our total uh, and ubiquitous compliance. I think the financial crisis of 2022 will dwarf and eclipse the so-called financial crisis of 2008. And as Ryan said, as, as all of you have said, interest rates have been at a historic low for too long. Uh, the, the quantitative easing, the printing of money, the fractional reserve banking, it will all come home to roost. And my advice to everybody, my advice is get out of the dollar, get out of the dollar, get out of the dollar. Don't get into any fiat currency, avoid the fiat currencies and avoid crypto. Get into productive assets. What are productive assets? Land that bears fruit, cows that bear milk, ammunition that bears lead. These are productive <laughs> assets. That's the kind of stuff that we need if we're going to survive this economic apocalypse is coming in 2022. And that doesn't even include my other prediction about the ecclesiastical apocalypse when Frank resigns. Um, boy, it's going to be a mess, guys. Happy New Year. Happy. New Year. I do think you're wrong on Francis resigning only because he is he, he displays all the signs of megalomania and narcissism. I don't see him letting go of power, period. Uh, because he's so attached to it. He loves committing people around um, for whatever reason, um, apart from my armchair diagnosis. <laughs> I, I, I can't see him letting go at all. Even but, but though what he's laying out is the logical yeah. path for the modern papacy, I still don't see him personally giving it up. But here's a question, right? So I, in 2008, thought Obama would not get out of office. We've now known the power of people who are not necessarily sitting in that Oval Office and the power they wield sitting, mm -hmm. the extra powers they wield sitting out of that Oval Office. Such so as McCarrick. Right. Well, there you go. Yeah. Exactly. So is there something to, to, to the effect of uh, maybe uh, Francis uh, getting into a situation with world powers to help even more navigate how things ought to go within the church with somebody at, such as Turkson who's saying, yes, Francis, I'll do anything you want me to do. Mm. It's not impossible. Um, the personality type he displays wants to have that directly. That's yes. kind of my own and my own read on it. But that'd be the way you're laying out is no, no less plausible outside of that, that consideration. Mm. So, mm. I, and it is the logical path, like I said, for the modern papacy to go. Mm. Yeah. The modern papacy with the new religion and the, and the new church. And the modern I mean, church. even Pope Benedict, Pope Benedict said, trust the United Nations, the same United Nations that's pushing every ungodly thing imaginable. That's uh, the thing. Okay, can we can we talk about, can we have an honest discussion about that? Can we, <laughs> yes. can we put our cards on the table? I'm afraid to do that. but it's Can we have an honest discussion on the rundown? I'll, I already I'll, put a card down my face a couple years ago I'll, with this. I'll, I'll, we might I'll as well keep it up. <laughs> you know, be, uh, I will confess to you, I don't know who the Pope is. I don't know who it is. Not my place to say. I don't know who it is. However, if you start from the premise that Benny is still Pope, and I think that's plausible, I think it's maybe even likely. 
But if you start from that premise because he's less cringe than Frank, I don't think he's any less cringe. I don't think that's the reason why he might still be Pope. Cringe, his cringe level is 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 maxed out. It's ten. It might even be eleven. I mean, I mean to be to be honest, I mean people were saying, "Oh, he's so much better because he gave us some more pontificum." Listen, I was no. persecuted and kicked out of my last community when supporting pontificum was law, precisely because I I attended that traditional on mass. I never had faith in Simona pontificum. Simona pontificum was trash. You want an unpopular opinion? Simona pontificum was trash. It was not enough. It was not good. It was it was yep. it was a facade. That's all it was. Yep. It was a facade. SP SP created yeah. the circular firing squad. So many people existed in for a decade. Uh, I'm in this clan and I'm in this clan and I want to unite the clans, but only certain clans get to unite. You know, SP is the reason for the divide the, for the divisiveness amongst trads. I think. Cause they, yeah. they knew that was what was going to happen. That's what they wanted. You know, they wanted the circle of firing squad and that's what they got out of yes. it. And I remember when it first came out, it's like, well, the liberation of this and liberation of that. Well, yeah, sure. Fine. But remember the person who gave it to you is the same person who said, well, Lefebvre had no standing ground. You know, back in in in, uh, in in 88, when he was the principal person in charge of making sure he was securing a deal with Lafayre, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all, all this to me is just, well, you know, yeah, you get the, the Latin mass. But still, again, you know, do you get the theology pre-Vatican II? You know, what else are you not getting out of this this thing here? It just allows you to, to say the mass. But then if you're saying the mass and then you're going back and you're using the same host that was mm-hmm. consecrated at a bogus odor mass, you know, because you're sharing a church property with them. I mean, you, you're, you're ending up in a sort of like a uh, circular uh, cog that's just not moving forward. And you're just stuck in the same place, maybe even going backwards. I don't know. Yeah. No, it, 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 it fixed everything. It, it created a status quo, a permanent status quo. It prevented people from uniting. It prevented people from moving forward, Ryan. I mean, uh, SP has its merits for sure. But if you look at it, I think holistically, I think in, in, in historically and critically, you could say SP was really a weapon to, uh, to fix. Tra- one of the things that one of the tactical tasks in the Marine Corps is, you know, to fix an enemy, to fix them, to pin them down, to prevent them from moving, uh, to, to prevent them from, from any, any type of maneuver. I would argue, I would contend that Sumorum Pontificum fixed us and uh, and put us into basically into into salt, you know, statues of salt, mm. where you know we were we were in deeply entrenched in whatever clan you were. Yeah, people moved around in the clans or whatever, but uh, but for the most part, it 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 disabled. It took the fight. It took the galvanization out of. It took the fire out of the bellies of the trads. Brian, I mean, um, these are people who were these are people who were in basements for goodness sake for you know for right. twenty years, and now all of a sudden it's like, oh, I get a church, I'm comfy. As far I mean, there's a couple different strands to unravel there. As far as unite the clans and that being everyone put in their clans in in the circular firing squad, we were already there since the '88 consecrations and the founding of the fraternity. Whether you like it or not, whether you think those consecrations were good or think they were bad or think whatever, uh, I didn't want to bring that up. Um, the fact of that event and the aftermath with the formation of the fraternity and other groups essentially created the the situation where it's like you're the good side that's in communion with Rome or you're in the society which is schismatic quasi schismatic well their bishops are excommunicated anyway or and then it kind of goes on to that you know point or you're a set of a cantist 
And so you're out there where you don't believe that, that the Pope's even the Pope, you know, and, and that, that was the status quo. We're all looking at each other and, you know, you know, nobody can get together out of any of those groups, period. So it, that that's kind of the reality of what you're already looking at long before Sumorum Pontificum. Um, and ironically, Sumorum Pontificum is the very thing that the society asked for in as much as it guaranteed the right of every priest to say the traditional mass. And I think that the amount of hate that it got from bishops shows that there was something good there. But it, at the same time, it created a legal fiction. All right? The idea that these are two forms of the same right they are not. Uh, that's clear enough when you look at a traditional missile and it starts with Quo Primum and it goes through, you know, Clement VIII, Cum Ecclesia, all these documents that modified or altered or changed something in the missile by popes throughout the years. And then you get to Novus Ordo, the, the Missale Romanum of Paul VI. You have Vatican II's <laughs> Sancre Sancre Concilium, and you've got, you don't even have the whole thing unless I'm mistaken. And you've got the Constitution Missale Romanum of Paul VI. And now in the current ones, you've got the Constitution of John Paul II when he did the 2002 Missale Romanum. So uh, of the Novus Ordo, that is. So really, you know, they've laid it out there. You've got two different, you know, uh, rights. And when you look at the, the Novus Ordo Offertory, the Offertory is what liturgists used to use to delineate one right from another because there's a mm-hmm. distinction in the Offertory. Uh, you know, that's what sets apart the Dominican right from the Roman rite, from the Cartesian rite, from the Carmelite rite, from the Mozarabic and Ambrosian, whatever, you know, the, the off- offertories are all different. The Novus Ordo, it's questionable whether, I won't say this absolutely because a lot more research has to be done on it, but I think it's fair to say that it's questionable whether the Novus Ordo even has a proper offertory rite, in uh, yeah, number yeah. one. And number two, it's using prayers that are from the Talmud have no provenance of use in any Christian rite, let alone the Roman. All right. Maybe, well, yeah, we can repurpose those to do our fine. Whatever about that argument, they have no provenance in the Roman right. This is not a restoration. This is a break with the tradition and, and a brand new right. So they can't be the same Roman right. They can't yeah. be just by the yeah. nature of what things are. So that whole thing well, is and, more and, that's even that's even Thomistic, though. That's even Thomistic. You, you look at right. two objects and you compare them and. You, you recognize that they have different accidental qualities and different inherent qualities. And because of that, therefore, one is inherently of a superior or objectively different value than the other. I mean, like, this is just basic logic. You cannot say that two things that are different are really the same. Right. That's an error of logic. And it was always a lie. Also, also, though, originally, the Noah's Order didn't even have an offertory. Paul VI apparently said, I have a problem with there not being an offertory. I need to put it in an offertory. And that's when he went back to the Jewish books and they, he got the, the prayers over meals or whatever and used that as, as the, uh, the yeah. foundation for the, for the, the Novus Ordo offertory. I believe that that was part of the Ottaviani um, intervention, to be honest. I think that was one yes. of the points that uh, Cardinal Ottaviani pointed out. On top of that, it was originally meant offertory. to be promulgated in 69 and it got delayed a year. One of the reasons it got delayed here is that Taviani went through Eucharistic Prayer 4 and he found uh, a phrase in there, Pater tu solus is Deus, Father, you alone are God. Uh, that's uh, Harris, that's Arianism, mm-hmm. right? And so people jokingly called it the Arian canon. So they had to scrub that out of Eucharistic <laughs> Prayer 4. All right. And, and when, Which, and, by the and, way, because of that one year delay and the, the forced implementation of the Bogus Ordo in 1970, in its jubilee year, in its jubilee year, 
In March of 2020, what happened in March of 2020? The Bogus Ordo got canceled. <laughs> Normally on the 50th anniversary, the Jubilee year of something, we are celebrating it. And literally to the day on the Jubilee year of the Bogus Ordo, God smacked it down and said, no more. <laughs> I wonder what that means. You just put together a Notre Dame ahead of that, too, where what got destroyed, the absolutely obliterated, uh, wasn't the high altar that had stood there since the 17th century. It was the uh, Listiger altar, that is the table altar, which looked absolutely horrific uh, in terms of art and architecture. And that got smashed. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's pretty pretty crazy what we've been living through, ladies and gentlemen. I think our, I think our, uh, heretical Protestant brothers would say we're living in apostolic times. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard mm. that. I've had people in my living room say we're living in apostolic times, and I'm like, we're, we've always been living in apostolic times because we have bishops. <laughs> 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 like, what are you talking about, dude? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Wait, what? Wait, what were we talking about? We were talking about something really important. Oh, there's no laboratory, the bogus ordo. Uh, oh, yeah, some more in pontificum, James. Some more in pontificum. I just, I just gave uh, the whole thing about it. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, back to back to what I said. You know, some more pontificum was um, maybe helpful in the idea, in the you know, in the idea that it liberated the, the mass in a sense, but. You know, in the, in that letter itself, it said the mass was never abrogated, which was the argument yeah. that a lot of people had made before 2007. Yeah. Hey, guys, the mass is not, not abrogated. We can't be wrong for saying is And FYI, the mass cannot actually be abrogated. You know, you can't cancel out something that's been used for 1,500, sorry, not 1,500 years, but, you know, since uh, Corpimum, you can't mm-hmm. cancel it. And say, well, this is no longer going to be something that we're using as the normative, normative, uh, you know, right or, or what have you. And then to have to have that delineation between uh, uh, the extraordinary, right, and then the ordinary, that's also a misstep, you know. And so I, I, I never took that letter um, seriously. I thought it was flawed from the very beginning. But to appease, you know, to to appease, uh, you know, those priests. At the time, yeah. it was difficult to find uh, you know, traditional houses, so you needed to sort of bring, you know, secular priests along. Hey, look, you know, this is what the Vatican has done, right? So we were being a little clever. We had to be clever because they gave us working, working, um, you know, letter, and we used that letter to sort of bring good out of it, you know, bringing some priests along, bring some other people along, and then during that, what's uh, 2007 till now, it's been hey. Guess what? This was never abrogated. And this is kind of where we've been fighting this for uh, close to 50 years. And this is exactly what's happening. But that was a great spirit, I would I would think. A great spirit to have our eyes opened up, you know, yeah. and not lean on Simone Pontificum. Because that's what they wanted us to do. To, you know, the, the, we don't want right. to be leaning on that one document, right? That's right. And then you can just pull the rug out. Um, yeah. Okay, final question for the group. This is the most important uh, prediction, advice, forward-looking statements uh, that we can make. I want you to do the thing that is hard to do. I want you to armchair quarterback. 
<laughs> I want you panel to put yourselves in the position of I am the superior of an Ecclesia Day community, or I am, you know, I am a, a, a pastor within an Ecclesia Day group. What do you do in 2022 in response to the visitations that are going to happen in response to the dubia in response to traditionalist custodians in response to Frank, the heretic, Frank, the merciful. Um, how do you, how do you respond in 2022? What do you do? Pretend that you are an ordained, you know, and, and presumably obedient cleric. And what, what advice do you give your flock and what do you personally do? Ryan, unfortunately, I, uh, it's unfair. I have to start with you. It's hard to say because I'm neither priest uh, nor have the grace of office nor any of these things. Uh, if it were me, then, you know, I, there's, there's a certain point, you know, generally I'd be play, playing the long game on a lot of things. However, you know, if it comes to a direct thing, okay, well, you are going to, can celebrate you are going to do these things we just say we have to be faithful to the constitutions under which we were founded um we have to honor the true we are our mission our spirituality and our charism is to you know carry on the tradition of the church in her liturgy and as a result uh we cannot abandon that charism it is against our conscience to do so Use some of the words that they use all the time, but use them in a more traditional sense. It is our conscience that does not allow us to to abandon the sacred tradition, and we will not do it. And you, your priests can, can celebrate as much as they want. It's not our concern. Our concern is this Mass and the tradition that's, that's come down from our fathers, and that's what we're going to do. That's what we'll teach in this seminary. That's why, and just in trusting God. Don't be afraid you won't get a bishop to come down and ordain you. Don't be afraid that they're going to come with sanctions and everything against you. Granted, uh, that would be a bold position for them to take because that's basically what uh, the Archbishop did back in the 70s. But there you are. That's the only way forward is to dig in and become ungovernable when it comes to a matter of the sacred tradition. I think it's it's Suarez and there's a couple other authors I've read, um, you know, Kajin and others, when they're talking about if the Pope does things that harm the church. If he is trying to overturn uh, apostolic tradition, dogma, and faith and morals, which I'm sorry, uh, take a look. He has tried to do that very thing. The very thing of Vatican I says you cannot do. You cannot change the meaning of sacred dogmas and teachings in, in the name of a new understanding. Right, you can't evolve the doctrine to this brand new thing in the name of new understanding we never had before. They have to be understood in the sense that the church has once declared. That's what Vatican I says. And Francis has done that very thing time and time again. So we're at that point where he's trying to corrupt teaching, morals, and the tradition. And by the teaching of theologians on this subject, we have not even just the right, but the duty to ignore him, to say no to say we will not go along with this destruction of the church. And that, so if I was of if, if anyone of any authority in the fraternity, uh, mm -hmm. which I'm not, that's precisely what I would do. James. You know what? I'll, I'll say this. We've been very fortunate in the last 50 years because we don't have the clarity anymore. Uh, you know, like we would have had 50 years ago. And so we've been fortunate by God's mercy to have given us. And a lot of people say, well, you know, you're uh, 
making the archbishop uh, into an idol, blah, blah, blah. But honestly speaking, before uh, or actually during his time, we had the test. You know, a lot of people were put to the test. And so I would I would use if I were in that position, I would use the example of Archbishop Lefebvre, you know, his docility in wanting to understand what was happening and being meek enough to hold hold on for so long while all while all the while while moving in the direction of mm. preservation of the faith right not being deterred or uh perturbed that uh, something was going to, to to happen or to be a positivist and say well you know i'm i i know this is what's going to happen and so i should just be free to do to listen to what the vatican is telling me mm -hmm. he knew something was amiss and so i would have to go back any bishop right now has this in front of them it's been documented the vatican has all the records they can go back and see what happened all the objections raised by uh lefebvre and guess what he even wrote a book about this right he wrote a book about this called um letter to confused catholics you know what's going on what am i doing what this what the society is doing uh, what should we be doing? What should bishops do? What's the charisma of a bishop's office? You know, and so bishops have to be emboldened by the steps of uh, Archbishop Lefebvre. You know, and and honestly, that's as a bishop, I, I wouldn't want to make those choices myself without guidance, right? And so we have a very recent thing in the eyes of the church, being two thousand years old. This is still very recent. You know, somebody who was put in a position against everyone else who was for the promotion of something new. And so he coming out of Africa at that time, having dealt with animists and uh, people without faith and, and religion, uh, having to deal with that, having to instill the faith into them, coming back into the West and seeing the decimation of faith everywhere. And now having that prayer, that work that had been done over the last 30 years, basically fresh in his mind you know that's what i want to hold up as an example and i think that's what we're missing today is a lot of people want to think what new thing should i do what new thing can i come up with you know who is here today that will be a good example for me no we ought to take examples from people of the past people who have who have led us into that direction you know we're not creating something new we never want to create anything new we always want to work from the great example of those who've come before us and so as a bishop or anybody wearing any sort of hat in a, in a religious order is the preservation of the faith based on the saints and those who have proven themselves uh, in situations like this. Yeah, look to the past, not the future. Uh, Brother Martin? Yeah. So the question is, I guess, if you're the, the, the superior of a Clancy Day community, how would you respond to these times? Is that the question? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I am a founder of a community. So that puts me, you know, my opinion in particular, like, what am I, what am I doing? Um, as I said before, I'm in contact with a local bishop, and I told him straightforward, we're an exclusively traditional Latin mass community. Can we be erected as a private or a public associ association of the faithful in your diocese and in the church at this time? He's not rejected me. He continues to call me Brother Martin, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm being completely and totally 100% up front with him and telling them who we are, what we stand for, and what we won't compromise on. Uh, is the fraternity of St. Peter doing that? I don't know. To be honest, 
I, I prefer the the reaction of the Institute of Christ the King and, and not re- releasing a statement at all over over as as in this kind of naive oh this doesn't affect us and then telling their seminarians people that that, that are leaving are veering, uh, leaving their livelihoods to consecrate their lives to God not to the fraternity they're not consecrating their lives to the fraternity of Saint Peter they're consecrating their lives to God. Um. To be honest, it's, it's 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 a type of abuse. To be to be dishonest with people who are so willing to to, to leave everything, and to become priests, and telling them the situation isn't as bad as it is. I've had that done to me twice, twice in two different communities, mm-hmm. where where people are dishonest. When communities, superiors of communities, are dishonest with me, completely dishonest with me, and in, in, in telling me the situation isn't. As it is, and so that's I guess that's kind of my my hang up with 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 the frat, is that they're taking advantage of people that are naive, because they trust them. They're taking advantage of that trust and not being completely honest. They're saying, "Oh, it doesn't affect us." Give me give give me the counsel of the fraternity of Saint Peter right here in front of me, and I'll look into their eyes and tell them what's up. Mm. Uh, give me that opportunity because I've had that done to me twice. And, and the people that, that, that are entering their seminary don't deserve it. It's they, a good point to focus on the young men who are at the seminary right now, who are trying to get ordained, who are trying to consecrate their lives to God. Um, it's a good point. I mean, look, be honest with them, tell them the truth. Hey, you might get ordained in the Novus Ordo. That, that, that may actually happen. Give them a realistic, uh, you know, risk-based um, analysis of what may happen. Don't, don't blow smoke and say, oh, yeah, everything's fine until it's not. Exactly. So I mean, um, so that's, that's my opinion. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, look for for anyone who wants my opinion, I think mine is actually very similar to Ryan's. Um, when Ryan says we need to become ungovernable, I think that is exactly what all the traditional priests around the country should do. Uh, the only thing, the only embellishment I would add is that most United States bishops, anyway, I can't speak for the rest of the world, and maybe it's true around the world, but certainly in the in the USSA. The USCCB are full of a bunch of patty wink, uh, spineless, you know, don't want to rock the boat administrators. They, they're, they're not even really CEOs. They're really just sort of like HR uh, professionals. Um, they don't want to make waves. They don't want to make any big changes. They just want to go along to get along and get their pension and a retirement and be a, and be a bishop emeritus. Um, and so the way to, to the, the way to combat someone like that is to force them to make a decision because they hate making decisions. People inherently just hate making decisions anyway, especially bishops. So put them in a vice. And the way that you put them in a vice, I think, as a traditional priest, is you stand up and say, Bishop, and you say it publicly, and you say it from the pulpit, and you say it in writing on your blog or whatever. I am not going to say the Novus Ordo Misae. I won't say it. I won't comply. I don't think that this is a lawful order. I, uh, I, I don't think that the old mass can be abrogated or suppressed. I, I believe in, you know, fall back on quote primum or, or whatever argument Ryan gives you. And, um, and at that point, you, you force them to make a decision. If all the traditional priests from coast to coast from border to border, from sea to shining sea, if they all did that in lockstep, in unison, if we had an uprising of priests, hundreds of priests, a thousand priests stood up and said, we will not serve two masters, 
That'll mean something. That will force the, the bishops to say something. Because look, the mask has come off. We're at war. This is real war. We cannot wish it away. We can't pretend that we're not at war. We can't get we can't get cold feet about this. The enemy knows we're at war. The principalities and powers know we're at war. So it's time for all of our pastors and our priests and our vicar general and all of our people to 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 say, yeah, acknowledge. The first step in winning a war is acknowledging that you are at war. Second step is knowing who the enemy is. Third step is knowing which tactics will defeat the enemy. Well, the enemy is obviously principalities and powers, so the tactics that will defeat the enemy are primarily spiritual. But there's a very practical thing that priests can do. And my advice to our good and holy priests, so many of them that we love, so many of them that we uh, revere and we're thankful for, they say, I cannot serve two masters. I cannot, your excellency, I cannot follow traditionis custodis. I cannot follow this dubia. I cannot pretend that there is a hermeneutic of continuity. And I cannot, in good conscience, say the vulgar right. And, uh, and I think if enough critical, if we reach a critical mass, look, we have a pre-shortage. If 500 priests in the United States said that, and there are 500 traditional priests in the United States. If all 500 of them said that, pff, game over. We win, baby. We can't spare 500 priests. We can't spare 200 priests. Which diocese do you know about that has one priest to spare? This is what I think. Um, this is what I think that the trad priests all need to be doing. Um, final thought. Final thought. And I'll go around the room uh, one more time. You guys can say your your uh, your New Year's wishes. But I would like to say a special thanksgiving. There are priests and bishops who watch this show. There are traditional priests from coast to coast who serve their parishioners when it's dark outside, when it's cold, when it's rainy, when it's wet. They will serve their parishioners. Uh, they, 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 they are dodging arrows from their chanceries. They are running away from their vicar general. They are being uh, they are being wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Many of these priests are, and they have put it all on the line. And they 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 don't sleep. They drink monsters to stay alive. They sit in the box so many hours a week, more hours in one week than most bogus ordo priests sit in the box for a year. Um, and I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Many of you got us through 2020, 2021, and we're going to need you in 2022. We have your back. Don't interpret this segment of us armchair quarterbacking as being anything less than absolutely grateful and appreciative for all of you. Holy Fathers, thank you. Ryan, final thoughts for the year. Final thoughts. Um, special thanks to all my customers, to everyone here on the rundown that, that watches the show and then when I grift this or that book that uh, goes out and buys it right away, uh, I want to give a special thanks too to everybody that's in the book club, everybody that uh, has continued to support me over this year. I know things have not been easy for a lot of people. We did lose a lot of people, and the reason was, well, my husband's losing his job, or I'm losing my job because we won't get the, you know what. So it, uh, it, and it's not easy. And so I want to thank you for doing that, allowing me to continue translating, writing, working, you know, getting new books, getting things together and doing things that are going to help promote and move the Catholic faith onward. I'd love to do it for free. If I was independently wealthy, I would do it for free, but I'm not. So, you know, so it, it's just a matter of getting these things going and 
continuing. So we have these resources for priests, resources for faithful, resources for everybody to help them get closer to our Lord. And I hope to have a lot more uh, books uh, geared to that purpose, as well as some audio media stuff uh, in 2022. So thank you again to everybody for, for their support. I know it has not been easy. Amen. James, final thoughts for the year. Final thoughts for the year. I really, sincerely, I sincerely want to thank everyone who's been offering clarity um, the last few months. I know it's been uh, it's been a little crazy, you know, things have kept coming out of the Vatican. And uh, it's great to have priests who are coming around and understanding what, what the battle is, uh, understanding what uh, we have to do to stay focused on what the end is. Um, so things are going to get a little bit hairy, and I appreciate those already coming out and supporting what needs to be done. And uh, to those lay uh, faithful Catholics uh, on social media who are also um, encouraging by uh, word of prayer, I know uh, a lot of people said it, said it said encouraging uh, words to priests and to, to bishops. It's good to, to see that and knowing that these priests and bishops need our encouragement to continue uh, forward. So it's great uh, to, to see that rounding out this year in 2021. And uh, I look forward to 2022 um, and pushing forward in the battle against, um, you know, Moloch. Battle against Moloch. May we prevail. Amen. Martin. What year? 2021. 2021, first of all, I'm thankful for James joining the rundown in 2021. It was a new edition that, that I've been very pleased with, very happy with all of his opinions and, and his contributions to the rundown. Uh, so thanks, James, for coming on. Um, I'm also thankful for all of our, our benefactors uh, in 2021. As I as you all know, the, the Old Lakes of Santa Gudson has only existed for a year and a half. Uh, the the conversations I've had with our, our local bishop have surprised me in the sense of how how uh, how can I say is how open he's he's been um, to all of my upfrontness in the sense that this is who we are we're tr- exclusively traditional at mass uh, we believe in in the traditional Catholic faith um, and how he's he's just taking things step by step through through the proper protocol as opposed to other bishops who have just kind of shut the door on us completely and totally f- up, up front. Um, so I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for all of your support through through whatever lies anybody else spreads about us and and, and trying to you know c- confuse you about what we're trying to do. Um, as you all know, the Old Saint Augustine will stand for the true true traditional Catholic faith, um, whatever that costs us, because it's true. It's what our, it's the faith that our Lord gave us, and, and so we want to be true to you and true to true to Him, true to our Lord. Um, so we thank you all of you for our support. I also want to give a special shout out to Miss Casey, um, who's been supporting us, you know, behind the scenes, on the scenes right now, as as she's on the screen. Um, she's a strong supporter of the old business and guys, and so I also want to thank her particularly for for unfailing support, um, and also every single member on the rundown. I mean, this 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 isn't a grifter show. This isn't something that we're you know we're making money specifically from this podcast or whatever else. Like a, a lot of other Catholics who are are just trying to sell you the faith uh, and make their living off of it. This is something that we do on our own spare time. Uh, that we give to you, whatever the consequences of our opinions are, because there are consequences for having opinions, as you all know. Um, and so I, I think all, all the members on the rundown who who have the courage just to, to voice their opinions, voice the truth, uh, just give it to you blankly, um, and, to, and to have all of your guys' support too. So uh, thank you all for watching the rundown this year, and uh, we hope to see you every week in the next. 
Arise, O Lord, and let thy enemies be scattered, and let all that hate thee flee from before thy face. Good night, everybody, and Happy New Year!